it. No, we ain't gonna take it. All right, everyone, welcome and almost merry, merry, merry Christmas. It is Christmas Eve 2020, and here we are <laughs> all together having our um, regular discussions in regards to not only the future of our nation, but the future of humankind in general. Uh, yesterday, I had a pretty disruptive uh, day. I um, went live a couple times, and that was just to get ahead of things that are coming. You know, the rule of thumb is that you never speak to people that are putting out hit pieces for you, ever. But um, there's a new hit piece that's going to be coming out about me. Uh, same stuff, different spin, but I'm not the target of that hit piece. Um, it's the people that are fighting for us on the front line that are the target for it. And um, it, reflecting on it this morning, my morning coffee, I realized, uh, you know, this is exactly how uh, commies work. <laughs> you lift your head. They make an example of people to destroy them. And now, I, I've said this many times, uh, especially when uh, the Lincoln Project uh, was coming after me via Ali Alexander, um, that I had a whole state crawl up my behind and not an easy state. A state that has an attorney general that, you know, is... <sighs> Uh, if you ask me, I'd probably say he and Barack Obama got it on. Um, if you ask me, uh, he was actually uh, best kind of besties with McCain. He was even invited to his funeral. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, that tried really hard not to, you know, do anything but damage my reputation, but in the process of doing so, they tried to entrap me to incriminate myself. Um, and one would say, well, how can you incriminate yourself if you haven't committed crimes? Well, I'm pretty aware in retrospect, most of the actions that I had uh, participated in were in essence crimes, but not really. Because if they're not done within the United States, right, they're not really crimes, even though it was crimes against the people of the United States, even though it was crimes in retrospect. No one ever does something thinking, oh, I just, you know, it was always in good faith. But I, um, I actually live played only on Twitch um, my whole Supposed interview with a uh, Washington Post investigative reporter, super asset, of course. And I want to play it again for those of you that only tune in during noon, uh, that just so you can understand how they work. Because a lot of us read hit pieces done on people and do not know how they go. Um, you know, he was very respectful, very cordial, and he was very transparent, which is great. Transparency is key. And, you know, I told him, look, if you want to paint me as a bad guy, 
please use my butting heads with John Brennan. Paint me as the snake, uh, you know, whatever. But in the end, you can't trash my affidavit. It is so solid. There's no way you can punch any holes through it. None. None. So, you know, obviously everyone likes to say, oh, you know, the attorney general found you, da-da-da-da-da. No, he didn't. See, I had to wait for the Supreme Court. There was no way I was going to win in district court. I wasn't allowed to depose him. I wasn't allowed discovery. And the only reason I lost those cases is because I couldn't provide information he was asking me for because I didn't have it. Pretty much. It was by default. So when people start talking, oh, they found you $25,000 fraud. No, read it. That was what he said cost him, right, in fees. So there, nobody lost money. I didn't commit any fraud. So if anyone says that, I dismiss them immediately. So I'm going to replay it for those of you that have watched it or listened to it. I'm going to replay it. But this time I'm going to interject as well to just give you more background because you need to understand how these things work. This is why other reporters and people do not want to come forward because this is what they do. And so that way I can give more on it because the hit piece is going to be coming out today regardless, regardless. So he was actually very kind, you know, things that he was asking me about had to do with things my family was victim of. And, you know, I told him, don't do that. You don't want to go there. Um, you know, this is not where you want to go. I made it clear that I was one of the Jane Doe's identified in the case. Don't talk about that. So, you know, they have nothing on me except for the fact that they don't know who the fuck I am, period. And that's it. And um, I wanted to give him as much as he could so he can run with whatever. But the two things that he wanted to use, he can't. One, it's false. Two, you don't use crimes, you don't, you know, attack victims. Like, that's disgusting. Uh, he sounds really great, right? He's cordial. But again, his, his hook and his, you know, intention throughout that whole Q&A session, obviously interrogation, right? was um, transparent. They want to go after Sidney Powell so bad that they want to destroy anyone that speaks. They want to take it. I was telling him, tell me something in the affidavit aside from me, because you don't like me being, oh, here's the company I worked for, period. This, this, this. It doesn't matter where I could be a circus clown. My information in that affidavit is solid. There is nothing you can punch a hole through. Absolutely nothing. And, you know, I made it clear. This isn't the first time I'm talking about election fraud. This isn't the first time I've submitted an affidavit. It's not the first time. So if he was trying to find a way to make it seem like people were just jumping on the bandwagon talking shit, the wrong person's door that you knocked on because I've been on this for like forever. So it was a totally discredit campaign. Listen, I've been on the discredit side 
for a very, very long time. Because when they can't kill you or pull your tongue out, they discredit you. And they bring a prime example of Patrick Berge, who they couldn't stop him from talking because he actually had documented evidence that he was legally allowed to have. So what did they do? They drove him into the poorhouse where he was in a homeless shelter. This is how they work. This is how they work. He also <laughs> talked with my old boss. Now, I did have conversations like this while I was in D.C. Actually, one of them, I think, was tainted. Um, I don't know how to, how to put it in better words, but I don't know if it was done during that discussion or before, but I was myself, and it took me three days to recover. I'm just saying. It was one of the most oddest experiences I'd ever had. Um, so I just wanted to, to say that, and, and, and that occurred on December 14th. So I wasn't of sound mind. I had no idea if I was coming or going. And when, you know, I met up with um, Patrick and um, other members of my team, you know, they could obviously see something was wrong because I wasn't well, like physically well. So I, I don't want to get into that. That was a, a very bizarre scenario. I don't even want to think about it <laughs> for now. But um, I want to play that um, that uh, interview for you guys. And I'll interject uh, throughout it. Because um, it was... So it was the most bizarre um, thing I had. Um, well, it wasn't bizarre. The one in December, on December 14th was bizarre. Um, I mean, it could have been the hand sanitizer. I don't know. Maybe it got me sick. Who knows? But it was bizarre. This one, I was of sound mind and able to speak. So I'm going to play it after the music here. Here's where... It starts. And, okay, here we go. And on Twitch, I actually recorded it live. So I had put the microphone on the phone and um, just started talking. So here we go. It's something that I don't like to do. Hold on. So um, this is the beginning. Hold on a second. And I will share the screen. I mean, there's nothing to watch. This is me uh, from yesterday. I will do that now for you because I want you guys. This is a repost of the Twitch conversation. So here you go. Um, let me try to fast forward where I was introducing it last night. Swap it over, guys. All right. And let me press play. Email and uh, an old number, perhaps an old number for you, which uh, I had to put it. I think it ends in 5,000. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm glad. Okay, so talking. now we're on the record. So, okay, okay. so do you want to go through the questions you sent him with sure. you? Um, yeah. Is that going to be easier for you? Um, yeah, that's probably best. Just, I wanted to um, just make that one statement. Your last one about my husband, who yeah. I just haven't divorced because I can't afford it and because I'm waiting for a specific paper. You do understand that I'm one of the Jane Doe's in that case, right? I didn't know that. Okay. And I hadn't, so I just I hadn't wanted to make that clear so you understand that because 
um, any reporting on that would um, reveal the identity of the minor victim. Okay, well, we're not going to mention okay. it. Okay, so I, I am sure mentioning we... it so you know that. I put it in the email so that, you know, we knew for our knowledge what was going on and whether that was true, but we're not going to mention it in any article, so don't worry about it. Okay, well, no, nobody would mention it because if you actually knew what was going on, you wouldn't have even put that in an email. Oh, sorry, it must have been a terrible situation. Yeah, and it's still manifesting, you know, when, when you're the, it's kind of like those movies where the, the dad's always away for business and comes home and it's crazy, but let's just leave it at that for now. Okay, but yeah. so. So, yeah, so should we start with the affidavit? That was for a while I wanted to talk with you. Oh, yeah, okay, so do you, is there something in the affidavit that, that you have an issue with? Because, uh, you know, all the questions that you put toward my lawyer were personal. They had nothing to do with the actual facts of that affidavit. Well, we can definitely go to the affidavit as well. Um, I didn't expect. Okay, so let me stop it right there. So um, apparently he was trying to get a hold of me and um, had a number that um, I know who has that number. And therefore, I know um, how he tried to get in touch with me. Um, he did try to email me. I saw it in junk mail um, this morning. Um but he got in touch with my lawyer uh, that is uh, actually a very um, great guy. He's a Democrat, um, but he is an incredible person. He, he doesn't like our president, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. We don't have to agree on things. But the one thing, like people like that, that don't like, that don't see eye to eye on politics, the one thing that they come together for is justice. And that's what counts. You know, I say that over and over again. People were like, ah, you love Trump, so you must hate everybody. That's false. Um, you know, you understand that there are people that don't see things the way you do because they see it with other eyes. But my lawyer is a great guy. Um, he is incredible. And he is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to justice. Um, I... I'm so grateful for meeting him and him being, you know, by my side. This is like three years of, of, of a lawsuit. And, um, you know, uh, my lawyer emailed me because I'm waiting, you know, obviously for, you know, the criminal side of things, not me, but that there's going to be a trial coming up that my family will be witness to. Um, and I, you know, his emails are always at the top of my list. Um, and he, you know, is just my mediator, not anything else, because I can't stress this enough. When it comes to that topic, I'm unable to um, have a stable conversation about it. I lose my shit. And, and that's because I still haven't come to terms with feeling so dumb. But anyway, he sent me an email um, you know, to tell me, Hey, you need to talk to this guy. And the minute it came in, I saw a bunch of questions. And I was like, the is this like, are we for real? This is what Waypo is doing. And he's like, you need to talk to him. Like he was talking to me about stuff. And I'm like, dude, I've never seen that. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what is this? And, you know, he also told him, you know, my client didn't lose her case. 
it was all by default bullshit because they were asking for stuff and she didn't have it to provide. And, you know, the judges just gave a default judgment because she couldn't provide what they were asking. Yet on the other hand, my rights had been completely taken away because I wasn't allowed to depose. I wasn't allowed discovery. I wasn't allowed anything. They just wanted me to give them. And if anyone actually took time to read the case, they would also see that all these documents, some of them that I was like, what the, are these people nuts? Like, is this serious? And that's where I learned that in civil cases, you could file whatever you want. You could f file, you know, hand crayon drawings. You could say whatever you want because um, it doesn't mean anything, but it becomes public record. That's what matters. And so um, it was very disheartening for me. Thousands and thousands of pages were filed after my source in a criminal investigation that I was undergoing for human and child organized traffic rings, which included government officials, cartels, because they have a lot of El Salvadorian cartels on the west side and um, by the capital of North Dakota, was shot dead. Like he was murdered, executed by a police officer. This is all stuff you, that you can find. Um, and um, right after that, they just filed a crazy amount of paperwork that was so overwhelming. And I, until then, had gone pro se. And the attorney general was asking judges to not let me use the internet, to not let me have communications in a civil case. And I was just like, this is nuts. Just so you guys understand, because people like to say things which, you know, they have no knowledge of. And, and this guy doesn't seem to have read anything. He was just going out, you know, with whatever, you know, shit talkers talk about people that don't read people that can't read. So here we go. This is me, um, being quite vulnerable, but I was, I, I think I gave him whatever he needed. Uh, first of all, you know, he can't say that my affidavit is, is anywhere false. It's ironclad. Your lawyer was in those technicalities with it. Um, no, he was, he's not involved in that. Yeah, right. And I and, yeah. and 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 that makes sense, you know, because I had a lot of emails um from my sources um telling me, you know, that there were a lot of communications that you guys have had because you you guys already knew about all these certification things um already because, you know, someone else was pushing that narrative from me because, you know, everybody likes Colgate smiles. So you knew about these certifications like four weeks ago um, because other people have mentioned them too. So like, if you want to get into the details of the affidavit or do you want to go into the details of my personal stuff? Because, you know, I saw some of the stuff that you sent my lawyer, um, you know, about uh, that you said that I used more than 2,000 of money donated to Magic City Christmas. No one donated any money to me, Mr. Swain. Yeah, I just want to go through sure, your stuff. Sure. Yeah. So no one donated any money to me. The attorney general didn't have any evidence that anybody donated money to me. That was my money, right? And I had commingled the other account because of some discrepancies, which now, two years later, I understand why there were discrepancies. 
with my personal account, which was on a personal basis with some funny business with my husband. Okay. So let me tell you guys what happened there. He was claiming that it was something charitable, kind of like the same thing they did to Steve Bannon. And I was telling him, I'm not a fucking charity. No one donated shit to me. This is all my stuff. But for my ability, because I was selling tickets, I had opened up a business account under my lab name and made it entertainment so that I can follow it so it's easier for me. Because it was the first time I was doing something like that by myself and I wanted to keep myself in check. So the attorney general made a narrative because I could have done whatever I want. I could have run it out of my personal account too. Like he couldn't say shit. You know, that was my money. But I wanted to make sure that the money that was coming in for tickets or whatever like that to pay for things were a little bit more easier for me to parse through. And so I had opened it out. And, you know, he was trying to say $2,000. It was like $100 here, 100 there. I had purchased something. Was it on QVC? Uh, it was a Christmas present. And that's because my card wasn't working. How to get it re replaced or it wasn't working. It was demac. I don't even remember. But there was some discrepancy. And so all that money... Uh, that I used on that, I actually put back in just to keep my book straight, not because anybody needed me to keep books straight, but to keep myself uh, in check. So it was a complete bullshit type of thing. And then he was like, well, she went to Walmart and McDonald's. Yeah, I fed the guys and I bought cookies for them. And he could see that I was transferring money from my own freaking personal account, but nobody talks about that. And here's the thing. He already had a subpoena. So he had all my banking account details. So I had no rights. My bank gave him everything. So there was nothing there. Full on financial probe with a secret subpoena before he even filed the case without a criminal case or anything. You understand that? I'm trying to make that clear to you. I had no rights to protect my personal papers, but I had nothing to hide. So I really didn't give a shit, but I'm telling you, this is exactly what happened. So when I tell you that the judicial system is broken and that these people do whatever they want, it's a hundred percent on point. So the bank complied with a subpoena and in the subpoena, he said, don't tell her that's against the law. It is against the law, what they did, but I don't have the money to fight them on it and sue that bank to the ground. I can't. On the other hand, I know why they did that to me because I have the DNC server. They knew it. They knew it. They knew it. So they did what they thought they were allowed to do because she was going to win <laughs> and they were going to kick president Trump out. This is it. I'm explaining this to you because these are facts. He had sent out secret subpoenas before he even filed a civil case. Understand that. And he says he could do it. Nobody listens to facts. This is fact. So for me, it didn't matter because there was not, no funny business. And I even told him I commingled them. I could do whatever I want anyway, though, just to, just to be clear. I could do whatever I want. And so when people are like, oh, that doesn't happen. No, it does. They're tr he did that to discredit me, the attorney general, because I had filed all that shit against him with those very, very well organized, very, very well organized trafficking rings that use the State Department. And I actually mentioned it to him too. 
So this is how it goes. This has been ongoing for me for a long time. So when people talk shit about me, I'm like, fuck you. What have you done? I've locked up pedos that are marshals. You have done nothing. So when you come at me telling me, oh, digital warrior, you know, you're this. Kiss my ass. I actually have balls. You don't. And I say that not because I'm cocky, but because I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. I had a whole state go up my behind. I'm not saying that as an understatement. This is why I say a lot of people are all about justice, all about, you know, um, you know, equal rights, constitutional rights. But if they don't like someone, they don't care if their rights are violated. Hence what I, why I brought up Austin Steinbart. If you look at his case, what the hell did he do? Why is he in federal prison? Okay, you don't like him? Fine. You don't like that he says that he's cute? Fine. But is it okay that that happened? Because it happened to me on a civil. Because I'll tell you what, if there was anything criminal there, you know that Wayne would have had it. You know he would have had it. But there wasn't. You know? This is it. This is how they go after people that actually have something to say. So let me continue this. So, and just so you know, those purchases that he likes to claim were actually cookies and shit that I had with people to, you know, discuss how an event was going to be put on. And there is no complaint on file. There is no issue of anyone complaining that they lost money. This was all a discreditation campaign and it had nothing to do with me saying I'd throw my hat in the race to be mayor. Um, it had to do with the U.S., uh, the North Dakota deputy marshal going to jail for indiscret, for mm, heinous crimes, the U.S. marshal of North Dakota resigning on December 31st, 2016, and many other people and actual filings with the Department of Justice revealing a very intricate network of physical human trafficking from the Native American bases um, that we have, you know, like the reservations. So yeah. that is why he retaliated against me, because I clearly made that clear. So me throwing my hat in the mayorship is the strategy that Joe Biden just used, is if I actually go um, and run, no one's going to use that against me. So uh, just to clarify, I'll stop it there. As you see, um, when he was coming after me, um, when Attorney General Wayne Stenjum was coming after me, I uh, threw my hat to take the mayoral race. And I did that for two reasons. One, to see if a troll bot farm would start. That's one. Because I wanted to see the extent of the attack on me. And two, if it was a remedial attack, uh, because, you know, his, there's like this um, assistant attorney general called Perel Grossman. Um, dude, he's like, so limp-wristed, it's disgusting. So he was probably having an affair with someone at the state-run state bank of North Dakota, and I kind of called him out on it. Wait, here, funny story. So when the attorney general's office on December 1st decided to give me a call, and you'll hear why they gave me a call to start their investigation, the idiots had CC'd me on their conversations. I kid you not, this is how dumb they are. They were CC'ing me on their communications. So when I saw, after I canceled the event and ate a huge chunk of humble pie and painted myself in a financial box, um, I uh, 
said, you know what? I'm just going to run for mayor. All these guys are tools. And, you know, I can run on the fact that they're that the whole city has been robbed blind and I'll fix it. And that's when the Trobot farm came out. And so it was insane. So throwing my hat in the race is just like what Joe Biden did. If you run, it's etiquette that you don't slander and use um, your position to attack a political opponent or someone running for a race. Guess what? They didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they went all in, all in. So I knew exactly what was going on. They went all in. I am not kidding. I had so many people tell me, just sign the damn document and just let them know, no, no. I would rather burn at the stake than sit back and wait. So I want to go through this whole thing so you guys can see just how the deep state operates, not only from the fact of how they come after people, but how hit pieces are done. And remember, I'm not the target of this hit piece. That's basically it. Let's definitely get to all this stuff. But first of all, if we could talk about the affidavit, that would be great. I just wondered, you know, first of all, how it came to be that Sydney received your affidavit and how it came to be part of the case. Did you send it to her direct? Okay, so the affidavit that you have is very similar to an affidavit, uh, which is, mind you, signed under penalty of perjury, right? Which means I'm putting myself out there. I've sent an almost identical one in 2019, 20, 2018, 2017, and 2015. Now, albeit years before that, it would be anonymously sent with information and evidence. Um, but in 17, 18, and 19, 19, I actually sent it to Chuck Grassley right. specifically. Uh, so this isn't something new. This isn't something that I was like, oh, look, we're talking voter fraud. Let me jump on. I've been talking about this the software within the systems for many, many years. So uh, the way it got to her is just through submission portals um, where people actually put information out. So what, did she have something on her website where you were able to like, send it? Uh, well, actually, I went to Washington, D.C. and um, uh, was facilitated the communication between myself and other persons that were, you know, and I had facilitators take my information. I gave it to many of people. Do you know how it got to Sydney directly? Um, I don't know. Did you get it by email, by a courier, carrier pigeon? I mean, I don't know. I wasn't attached to the document. But you didn't directly email it to her? Or? I don't know. I don't remember. Because okay. I had so many communications. Honestly, I don't remember. And I saw from your podcast that you were down in D.C. and you'd interview Patrick Byrne, right? Yes. Um, I wondered, because obviously Patrick Byrne, I think, said, say, shares your view of the election, that there was all this, uh, you know, all these misdeeds going on. And he, he said in an interview with someone else that um, he was going to be helping a team of, like, sleuths to, to look into all this. Were you, was that you? Were you part of that? Was he, like, helping to your way? No, he was not actually. Okay. I didn't, I didn't receive any payment for what I did. I actually, it, it cost me a pretty penny. I decided last minute because I was sending things and I was trying to get a hold of Chuck Grassley's office and I couldn't get through. I decided to, it was totally last minute. I went and got specific vaccines for my cats <laughs> so that way I can put them 
in a hotel, which cost me an insane amount of money. Um, yeah, you know, flew out there, paid for my hotel for like five days, and then just, you know, stayed and uh, went through because I saw that there were a lot of groups and it was exactly what we see, um, you know, uh, every single time people want to be first at doing things. Like for me, I don't need credit, John. I don't care. I've been saying the same thing for many years. So it's not like something new. People are acting as if this election theft is new. And you, you know, having been tapped by uh, GCHQ, right? You know, I know, I know. And uh, hey, you know, you can say things, but I know what I'm talking about, right? You know that they're all fixed. Listen, there's nothing in my affidavit that you can say is erroneous. So listen, just one thing. Yeah. I have never in my life communicated with anyone from GCHQ. That's a lie. Telegraph has a direct line, but okay. The Telegraph has people that cover it, but I never did. When well, I'm, I'm not saying covering it. You're, all assets aren't knowing assets. But anyway. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so, but let me just check one. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. So, I know that you say that you um, sent it a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. But did you like find an email address for Sydney and send it by email? Do you think? Or, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. There were so many that I was. Uh, there were so many I was emailing. Maybe. So that could so be plausible. Like, that could be plausible. So you were. So, okay, so let me stop it right there for a second. So as you could see, they were going back to Sidney Powell. And their goal is not to show that um, the information is wrong or false. As you could see, this is totally the people. So I'm terrified to see what they are digging and trying to find on the other affidavit that was very similar to mine from the 305th. And that is horrible because one, again, they tear people apart. I mean, look at all these other people. They've lost jobs. They've lost their ability to do anything. Some people can't even walk out of the house if they're in a highly dense Democrat area without feeling scared that they're going to get killed. Um, This is what they do. They want you to submit and shut up. If you stand up and say anything, we're going to take you down. That is their goal. This is what he wanted to do. Now, he also wanted to uh, get as much information to discredit people. So that way he could say, Sidney Powell doesn't do her homework on what she puts out. This is his point, right? This is what he wants to do. So I'm terrified to see you know, Christmas Eve, my Christmas present will be getting smeared. And, you know, I don't think people appreciate ever, and they won't, like John here to help has been crucified, crucified. Um, Fitzgibbons, uh, former Democrat, the minute he stood up for Julian Assange, his own people teared him apart with bullshit me too. Patrick Berge, thrown into a homeless shelter. They're trying to discredit Sidney Powell. And they're trying to discredit anybody that comes up and gives facts because there is nothing in that affidavit that anyone can dispute. Nothing. It is ironclad and it is 
it's been the same thing for years. I've been saying it for years. So this isn't the first time I've put that together. My, I even have a podcast from 2019 saying the same stuff. It's on there where I walk through it. Millie Weaver did a whole report. We sat together and we're going through whistleblower documents <laughs> live. So it's not the first time. So even though they're trying, you know, you would think that reporters would want the truth to be out. Instead, they want to suffocate it by shaming or, you know, crucifying anyone that speaks against the establishment. It gets really good, too. For those of you that hadn't heard it, it gets really good. I'm emailing it to, to various people, and she maybe got it from you directly, but maybe got it from someone else that you sent to, you think? Yeah, well, I mean, we don't know. I wasn't sitting on that document to follow the packets. Sure. Because I just wanted, it seemed to follow like a format like some of her other witnesses had, so I didn't know if she'd ask you to write it, like, at the start of it in a certain way, just to, to comply with the court regulations no, or whatever. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at writing stuff. I mean, I try. Yeah. I, I try. Um, I'm not that good. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I try. I try to follow some kind of um, process and make it cohesive and try to have it flow because for me, it was more so about the machinery and um, the uh, actual components that make up the machines. Uh, aside from knowing already that the algorithms are predetermined in the shuffling phase, um, the way that you can uh, alter the algorithm is uh, by penetrating the machine, and that's usually done through, you know, off-the-shelf cots, and, uh, yeah. and that's so, the way they always did it. So, right. I know that it's 37 pages long, and it is complicated, but can I just say to you what I understood your, like, argument to be in a summary, and, and I want you to let me know if I'm right or wrong, mm -hmm. or whatever you think. So, from what I understood, you were saying that, you know, there are foreign companies involved in the election uh, system in the U.S. or systems in the U.S. and various states. So there's, you mentioned companies like Akamai and Dominion and uh, I think Cypher. And those companies' involvement creates vulnerabilities that on this election night were exploited by someone to shift votes to Biden to help him win. Is that like a summary, is a fair summary of what you said? So, um, so the, the core software of how these election machines behave is not only in U.S. machines, but globally. Um, the only public example without violating like OPSEC per se, and, you know, saying things I can't take back is the Ukrainian example, um, which is somewhere in that document. Um, so there are many facets to this. One is the, the core software. Dominion software is built upon it, right? And the only yeah. way you can access the trap door, which is a, that, that portion where they shuffle the votes and you, they supposedly anonymize it, um, you know, that algorithm exists on all electronic voting machines. Um, except for the old ones that Venezuela had, they had the first ones where a guy named Curtis was actually hired by Clinton Bush, by this guy named Feeney in Florida, who paid him to create election rigging software. So the machines Venezuela has are from back in the day, the first ones. And he, uh, Curtis had actually testified in Congress saying they hired me to create that software. 
to rig elections. He testified to that in Congress, uh, you know, over 15 years ago. Yeah. So, so this software exists. It's just better now. And it's global, right? Because McCain told me himself, sorry, we can't have, you know, people choosing their own leaders because that would be chaos. They don't know what's good for them. So, you know, what I just said about the, the fact of these foreign companies and the software, is that a fair summary of what you said, that the fact that they're involved, they have left these vulnerabilities that were able to be exploited on election night? Well, the vulnerabilities are many. One, it's the, soft, it's the software of the hardware, right? This is why we mm. have the issue with Huawei, and we have TSMC down in Austin, SolarWinds, and so many more, the routers. So that's the access point. But in order to access and piggyback and where they're being tallied, they're being done through a torrent-like service through Hurricane Electric that spits most of that stuff out to Akamai. Now, Akamai purchased Unicom, which means they're one in the same with Unicom now. And that gives mm. full and unfettered access to enemies, both foreign and domestic, uh, because we can obfuscate. I mean, I can make it look like your IP address did whatever if I wanted to. So I just want to make it clear. Unicom, I, sorry, I had to stop it right there. Unicom is a Chinese telecom. And Akamai is one of the biggest uh, distributors of streaming um, uh, content. Uh, I would say just like carrying information, let's say that. Akamai was actually created back in 1999 in the country of Laos with uh, Paul Sanger. Uh, so you you guys can see all of that. It's um, all, well, I've archived it because they've deleted all their pages. So I have them. I have the offices they have in China. Uh, the guy that used to run their offices in China is now at Google. Um, it's a big hot mess. So Akamai servers are located off offshore. And so you understand there's another one, and we've talked about this before on my show, uh, Cognetto, that also has the Looking Glass project. And so these are all working together. It is a, in a global interface. And um, Unicom is Chinese. <laughs> so people need to understand that Taiwan is to China as China is to the U.S. I've, I've made that statement so you can understand that. And you know what was funny is that in this bill, you know, where they wanted to chuck crumbs to the people, we were giving money to Laos. Uh, that's where the company started. But now it's pretty much headquartered, headquartered in Germany and um, they're also in Boston. So uh, there's a really weird, uh, you know, uh, scenario um, that is quite simple. Think of it this way. There are people you've never seen and you don't know, they have no name, that are running the show. And those people that are evidently in front of you, like Manchurian candidates per se, and are just the front people. It is way bigger than you. I mean, this is horrible. The people are going to see it. And, you know, we can't even go down rabbit holes because then it enters into conspiracy theory domain. But hey, let's do that today because I'm going to show you exactly who, what, when, and where. Because um, I found a picture yesterday 
And I tweeted it out last night. I was like, oh, shoot. Hey, look, Owen. It's that bitch Patricia that I always had to entertain whenever her husband was around. Funny how he's there with Smartmatic. <laughs> so we'll get to that later on. Take a listen. So who do you suspect intruded and shifted back to Biden? So I believe that it was us posing as foreign interference and us meaning, uh, you know, our not so well, have you watched the zoom calls with the SESs? No. Okay. So, um, Millie Weaver had posted where we had someone infiltrating zoom calls and in there you would see size employees, uh, general counsel for the Department of Labor, you know, that granola munching chick, Lisa Fithian, who's just crazy. Um, and um, Maria Stefan, right? Um, they were all talking about causing disruptions in federal agencies. So, so you think it was basically like establishment figures who wanted Biden to win over Trump? Exactly. And they were working together for this, John. Their faces, their voices are on camera, which in effect is you know, treasonous if you say that, but um, it's insane. We have SESs organizing a coup from within by slow walking processes, by assisting. And Laura Robb, who has an active contract with the FDA now, said she has no problem because her previous contract was with SISA and she still communicates and exchanges information with them. Considering that creds, said that the machines weren't connected to the internet when they are and his reluctance to take responsibility of not ensuring that our equipment, not the software, the software is corrupt, period. The equipment was sound enough to ensure that there could be no foreign interference. If I had to wildly guess, I would say it's People that have been transferred as contractors or employees within SISA. You know, maybe agency assets, loyalists to Obama, Brennan. And if someone was pulling the strings, I would most definitely point the finger at either Brennan or Hayden. Uh, right. So it's, it's assuming it was those sorts of people that intruded, what is the relevance of the foreign companies? being involved in the software and the technical side of things. Okay. So this is a very good question that he's asking. I wanted to stop it and then just rewind it just a few seconds. The question that he's about to ask is exactly what people need to hear to understand how they work. And we've been talking about this here on air since 2018. Listen carefully or employees within SISA. You know, maybe agency assets, loyalists to Obama, Brennan. And if someone was pulling the strings, I would most definitely point the finger at either Brennan or Hayden. Uh, right, so it, it, assuming it was those sorts of people that intruded, what is the relevance of the foreign companies being involved in the software and the technical side of things? Like, 
if if those if the people that intruded were American establishment people, why does it matter that the the companies were German and Venezuelan and, and that kind of thing? Okay, great question. And that's what a lot of people should be asking. Plausible deniability. Why do you think John Brennan created Global Strategies Group, also known as Global Securities Group, also known as Global um, a Group? The companies changed so many names, but at the bottom of it, it's GSG, which was you know the parent company of TAC on paper. Why do you think he pulled over all our communications and data into a foreign country under a foreign banner with foreign incorporation? Plausible deniability. This is how you're removing. You should know, being an investigative reporter, that most of the activities that the intelligence community conducts are never with employees that are first degree or directly connected to any of our agencies. They're at least second or third removed. And we always use foreigners to get things done. So if you could sum up like why you felt it was important to get this affidavit into Sydney's case, how would you sum up like I know you I think I kinda of know what your motivations are because you, you believe that the election was real. Oh, no, I know. I don't believe you it's know, not like okay, a fairy tale like Santa Claus. This is real. Well, no, I don't I didn't mean to say yeah. that. Um, so how would you summarize why you felt urged to do this? I've already done it before. What do you mean urged? I did it in well, 2019. Why, I did it in 2018. Why, sure. I, so why did you do it again? Well, because in 2016, we got lucky and there was physical hindrance from them deploying scripts to edit the algorithm. And that was the first fair election we've had in two decades. In fact, right now, the only, the last president we've really had in the United States with people voting, even with an algorithm running that Trump broke, is President Trump. So this is, this is everybody's duty. It's not fair that other people decide that they know best. These are unelected people that we can't remove that are making decisions for people for decades. And, you know, it, the follow-up question would be like, why haven't you said something before? I have. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, I'm saying, just to make it clear, yeah. I have said it before. In 2005, I met with Spectre. I have said it before. I have said it many, many, many times. Okay. And so since your filing got submitted, like what contact have you had with Sydney and her team? None. So they, did you know it was going into the case? Um, no, I just knew it was in the case afterwards. Tell me how you first learned it was actually filed in the case and filed indeed at the Supreme Court. Actually, it was from a reporter. Oh, really? Which yes. one? Millie Weaver. Oh, right. So she spotted it? No, she's all over this. She's mm. been on election fraud from forever. I wish a lot of journalists were like her. Well, no, but I mean, she saw, she spotted that your affidavit made it into the case. Yeah, I mean, she said, yeah. oh, look, this affidavit looks like, there's like affidavits that are all similar. And she was like, holy crap, is that your, I was like, oh, wow, that's mine. Mm. And have you been in contact with them since, like to say that you're ready to testify if it goes to trial or anything like that? Um, no. No. So, you know, just like, indulge me for a minute, right? Sydney is filing these very important cases. Mm -hmm. 
clarify. I um I was not contacted directly by Sydney's Sydney herself that I should be ready to testify. I was notified that I would be testifying from the court proceedings. So I didn't lie to him. I just wanted to see where he was going with it. I could have told him, yeah, you know, I was made aware that I'm testifying um, and that's going to be interesting. But in the end, I didn't testify because they didn't let anybody testify um, in any of the cases. They just was like, we don't want to hear any of this. So I just want to make it clear. This was me trying to figure out what he wanted um, and to figure out where he was going with this in my understanding of how he wanted to put his story on talking about how, uh, you know, Sidney Powell's so bad. Um, so I was, you know, in communication with the, you know, court authorities um, for it. So, you know, and I'm pretty sure they're listening now, so it's, it's no big deal. But I knew that he was going for a hit piece on her using... Uh, witnesses, and I'm a fact witness, not an expert witness, fact witness. And um, me being a fact witness, and if pressured, I'm going to have to say things that not a lot of people want me to say, and I shouldn't say outside of a classified setting. Kind of like how Barr was like, Brennan did nothing wrong, because if what Brennan and the Obama-Biden administration in general have done is revealed, it can cause global issues for us. And this is all about walking it correctly because the atrocities that have been done against the people of the United States are not something that someone can kind of just, mm, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like I told them, plausible deniability. They use foreign actors to do what they want to do because if you're doing it overseas, you're not really breaking U.S. laws. Kind of like how they did the whole FISA warrant thing right? They did all the activities overseas. So it's under foreign intelligence. Therefore they can use that and skirt us laws. They're not stupid, but it's in fact treason and it's in fact criminal. Hence why I was very careful. So I'm, you know, putting it out to you. So you understand how and why I was responding the way I was because I knew what his end game was. And so you know, I knew, and I said this, and I had this conversation with Millie, um, and, and, you know, who I, and people that are very close to me when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to fly to DC. I think I was on air and I said, oh, you know, I might be going somewhere because I kept finding hindrances. I'm, I'm, I knew that I will in the end get crucified. And again, not my first rodeo, but I say this again, a lot of people can throw mud and dirt on light, which is truth. But that light never goes out and it shines through regardless. So I don't think people understand what I've put out there since, you know, 2016, 20, and what I did in 2017. I don't think people understand just what a big of a deal it is. You know, they, you know, there's a lot of people. Well, how are you still alive? Exactly. Because they know that I'm smarter than that. And the one thing that they can't do is take me out because that, then that gives credence and they're screwed. 
Another thing they can't do is acknowledge me because then they're screwed. So I got them in a catch 22 because if you're public with it, nobody can hang you for anything. And that's the way it is. It's either now or never. And I think all of you understand it now. Um, Transparency is key. I've been saying that. Following the money is key. I've been saying that. And here's where it's coming to it. This is the precipice. I have been stressing this moment for a very long time. SCOTUSgate, very long time. And you're going to see more of that as we get into the conversation. I wanted to give him enough to understand you can sit there and try to hang me, but I've got way more to go. So it gets really interesting here. I just wanted to explain to you why I was responding the way I was responding. And it was more because I wanted to engage and see where he was going with it. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's pointing to affidavits from people like you and Spider, the, you know, the... We have this intelligence exactly. guy. Isn't it a bit weird that she hasn't even spoken with you or, or like checked out that you guys are the right witnesses for her? Oh, well, I haven't spoken with Sydney directly. I've spoken with a ton of other people that I don't think. So his question is, and listen to that question, is you and that other guy from the Kraken, how does she know that what you say is a fit for her? Have you not talked to her? So they're going to maim that guy too. And here's how it goes. Excuse me, sir, but she doesn't need to see our faces or talk to us or know our life story. I could be a toothless guy selling fake Gucci handbags on Fifth Avenue. The information is solid. She goes by facts. She goes by facts, facts, facts. She doesn't care who's behind the facts as long as it's facts. That's it. Understand it. Sydney can read affidavits. She can read and she knows and all the people around her know. Every single one knows. So why the heck does she care if I have a dog, a cat, if I'm a victim, a perpetrator? She doesn't care. It's truth. She doesn't care. She doesn't care if the person is this, that, male, female, identifies as furniture. She doesn't care. Fact, witness. Period. And it was signed under penalty and perjury. So making it clear, that's what's up. Facts and truth stands firm. And when you want to see justice conducted, it's always done blind. You look at the facts. So this is how it goes. They didn't like what our specific affidavits had to say because our specific affidavits blow shit up, period. That's the way it is. So just making it clear so you understand, and that boggles him how Sydney can actually stand on facts and not need to know if the person identifies as a cis, whatever, or anything. She just wants the facts. And the facts can speak for their own. I think I'm at liberty to just give out names. Uh, but, you know, they could be working for her. A ton of people. She's, she's pretty busy, you know. She's, she's a juggernaut. But have you spoken to people that are working for her? I mean, who's not working for her right now? 
We have over 120 million people in the United States of America working for her. I know that she's got a lot of people, but not everyone is working for her. I just wondered if someone who's actually on the case, like an attorney in her team, reached out to you and said, thanks for your affidavit, it's great, we're going to put it in the case. Uh, how can we stay in touch with you if we need to? Well, I've had many of interviews with people, but, um, you know, truth is truth. Um, so, uh, I, I, you know, no one, I didn't do this to get a lollipop. I didn't ask someone, hey, you like it? You know, um, they yeah. asked me questions, clarification, um, you know, supporting documentation, what can be provided, um, emails from other stuff. So, sure. So, let's, uh, let me just call up the affidavit on my computer. Sorry. Yeah, but you I know what strikes me odd, John? All your what? questions that you sent oh, to yeah, my yeah. attorney just, had nothing to do with the affidavit. It looked like a super hit piece. And, you know, like you even said, she says that she knows how to do cloning. That's false. Really? Do you know what somatic, nu somatic nuclear transfer, you know, how you move stuff? The, the guy who actually cloned the first human embryo is a really good friend of mine. Happened to be at the University of Kentucky. That's why I went there. And it's a pretty straightforward process. I mean, you said that within a matter-of-fact tone like you do. Let me just quickly clarify, right? So yeah. I was unsuccessful in reaching you. I DM'd you on Twitter and pulled that old number and, pulled, and sent a couple of emails. Yeah, but I, the emails had nothing to do with the affidavit. You're supposed to be looking at the affidavit. It looks like you're trying to trash the people that have been putting the affidavits together. You said there's no Oregon Diversity Council. There actually was. I even have the emails. It's from the National Diversity Council. I have old emails. I broke up with the guy that was working on certified medical interpreting only because we didn't agree on policy. And that's why I dumped it. So there is, because diversity is key for development. So you said it as, you know, whatever. Uh, ML Laboratories, that's mine. That's how I was doing my research. I, I needed to file it for taxes. Wait, no, you're saying things as a matter well, of fact. You said that I never worked for TAC or GSD. How do you know? Listen, we're going to get all of that. No, but that, while we were, what while I'm we trying to say is all of these questions you posed to my attorney had nothing to do with the affidavit. In the affidavit, there is nothing that you can dispute except for what I gave myself as a title because there's no way you would even have record of that stuff. I mean, GSG tore down their website and it's a good thing we archived it. Same as GCHQ. Let me just, so I will get to all of that, I absolutely promise. And, you know, it, I just want to go through some of the things you say in the affidavit while we're on the subject. Sure, I don't want to yeah, kind of okay. Flip between the two things. Okay, sure, so, sure. When you say that between 99 and 2014, I was responsible for delegating implementation via other contractors, subcontractors with U.S. or ionized agencies. Mm -hmm. it, uh, that doesn't appear to be true. How do you know that? Do you have a manifest of the employees of GSG? So you were working for Global Strategies Group? Well, that's the attachment for it, yeah. But I was working under whatever hat I needed to work under for whatever assignment I had. But from, from 1999 to 2014, the whole time, were you technically working for Global Strategies Group? Correct. So I spoke with them and they said they had no record of you. So who's at Global Strategies Group? Did you speak to John Brennan? Or did you speak to whoever's there now? Yeah. 
I spoke with John Brennan's spokesman, and he okay. to John Brennan. So you spoke with John Brennan's spokesman, and he said I was. Yeah, John okay. Brennan said he never heard of you. Right. Well, John and Brennan needs to change his seat a little bit. Global Strategies Group, I know, has since been like taken over, and there's all these sort of. No one took over Global Strategies Group. It was taken Sorry, down, wiped clean. No, every single former NSA, GCHQ, German intelligence, ISI are part of that. So, uh, you know, of course, John Brennan's going to say, I don't know, because what he but, did is treasonous. Of course, he's going to lie. He sat there when they asked him about spying on the Senate and Congress and said, well, I built the system, didn't admit that he was spying, though, and that everybody and their mother had access to it from Luxembourg. So, so you're going to tell me that John Brennan was going to admit to housing every single American citizen's information offshore? Come on. I want to go back to the start of your like, military career. So I know you joined the, the Army in 96. No, Sorry, I did the Navy, Navy I, I joined the Navy um, 96, yes. Well, yeah. yes. I took my so, oath earlier, though. I just had to wait to be a little bit older to go. The record that the Navy gave me said that you joined in December 96 and you left in August 97. Correct. I saw that in the past you posted your, I think it's called a DD 214, 214. Yeah. Separation paperwork. Yeah. I saw that you posted it to Twitter. And that says that you left in August 98, which would be a year more. Correct. So and that's what it said. And yeah, but it was then corrected. So... Let me explain something to you here. See, this is where people, blow, you know, get mind boggled. So my original DD-214 claimed that I left in 1998. And that was done purposely because I was moved out of the U.S. Navy because I was recruited out of it to serve my country in another capacity. I don't know how they got me out or how. Or, you know, I was, I was a kid. I was excited. I had my order, orders. I was actually going in an oiler. I was young, bright-eyed, ready to go, and um, they uh, arranged it for me. Uh, I went in, and they said, "Thank you for your service." You know, you know, thank you, and it was done. And then I went to do training at different bases and other places, but they didn't have a set-up persona for me um, until September and to get these done. So when that happened, I got a DD215, which is a correction. Now, I didn't know that until 2008 when a congressman pulled it for me and I asked him, you know, something was funny when I was overseas and I mentioned it to him too. And that's why I went looking only because I was already in the shitter. Um, overseas with the questions that I posed and the reluctance I had and from the assignments that I had that I was quite curious um, to see what was going on and I tried to do it uh, as under the radar as I could. So I was very grateful to that congressman who helped me because uh, I wanted to understand where and what the mistake made because my records were changed all the way back to when I joined. Uh, so it was really bizarre. Um, and I wanted to see what was up. So DD-215s don't happen and you don't get discharged and they accidentally give you an extra year. So it was very curious. So 
Let me continue this so you guys can hear it. To 97. Because so 97 is the correct year. 97 is the correct year, but it was put 98 because of the I because I don't know how I left. I actually had Congressman Chandler when I came back stateside as I saw a few things that kind of, you know, concerned me while I was overseas in regards to, you know, my name suddenly changed in spelling. You know, when I because I gave birth to my daughter in England, my youngest. And so I went to the consulate to, you know, get the certificate of citizen born abroad. And, um, you know, they, I filled out the paperwork and then they came back with a post and said, spell your name like this because it's been changed on the system or else it's going to take too long. And I was like, what the, well, how did that happen? And so I, I'm just saying, I tried to pull my records and rather than it saying electronic warfare, information warfare, now it just says intelligence, right? Um, Let me just put something to you. Yeah. Like, so, so that the affidavit said that for '99 to '14 you were a contractor. You were telling Correct. me that that was the Correct. 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 But then there are two other things that seem to clash with that. Yeah. One is the profile, or two profiles that were filed by the prosecutors in North Dakota. Your LinkedIn and the Together We Serve. Okay. Oh. So here's the thing: if you actually read the documentation that my lawyer gave you will see that they had a completely duplicate LinkedIn. There were actually four of them going around, hit pieces. And then your together you serve thing was never mine. I can't even change it. So, so I can go and make a profile, John, I can go make a profile for you right now. I know. Okay, I know so be, I don't know who created that. that. Right, right, yeah. and it's just dumb. So, I, you know, obviously, I know who would do it. Come on, there's a lot of people that I piss off on the down low. John, but you didn't here. create it. No, I did not did create not. it. Correct. Okay. I've tried to reset and it. Can... Yeah, and and I filed that in court too. And even the attorney general was like, "This is yours." I was like, "Shut up, dude!" A hundred people have it. Even LinkedIn told him, "Stop." That's not. So what the LinkedIn profile that they filed with all these different degrees? It was wrong. Uh, yeah, it was a copy of mine with added embellishments. And LinkedIn, he even tried to subpoena LinkedIn, and they told him, "Poke it," because that's not our profile. First of all, and we're not giving it to you. So and someone else created it and added right, it. Dude, I had like three or four of those profiles going. Um, and it was an organized like troll farm. I already know where it came from and how. But that's a story for another time. That's just like, that's rubbish. Nobody cares. That's so then, for the brain. So then in some of your answers, you know, the interrogatory answers that um, your lawyer has kindly shared with me, you said that actually from 96, you were a contractor. Um, and a vendor for U.S. Southern Command or Central Command? So that was something that was written in because it was GSG. I wasn't directly a, um, a contractor with them. I was third removed, but it was so common. Let me clarify. So this falls into stuff that shouldn't have been on there, but because I was in court, I was being pressured to give them something. Like I told the guy, I had taken my oath way before I joined the Navy. Um, and went in because I was conducting work for my government under the age of 18 offshore through embassies. So this is where it kicks in. I just threw it under the umbrella because I didn't remember what the company was called because Brennan created that supposedly afterwards. That was always pre-existing. The hub in Europe was always pre-existing. So I just wanted to um, clarify that because he was trying to find discrepancies 
but there weren't any because I can't talk about it uh, the way I am able to. So um, this is how it went down. So I couldn't delve into that. So I just skirted it over and I was like, let him freaking use that. I don't care. I'm not going to incriminate myself or say something that I'm not allowed to say. Um, but I've made it clear that I took my oath way earlier um, than when I joined. And, you know, I was working with the U.S. government and their allies before I turned 18. And that was purposeful. So it was really odd because, like I said, I was recruited as a young child um, for stuff. You know, they use a lot of people. So it's okay. Um, I've said it. Uh, you know, I was in these things and, you know, just saying. So he is finding it difficult because, like I said, the attorney general, when he came after me, he had one purpose. And that was for me to paint myself in a box and obviously discredit me. So he was just trying to figure out, you know, the intricacies. And that is borderline, just saying. I have no problem saying it. And what I did and how I did goes back. And I'm going to point it back. This is why I know how the IMF works. Let's just put it that way. So uh, let's, let's continue this. Yes. We had a contract with SOCOM from Luxembourg, and it was from actually 97. So that could have also been a typo because other people are typing it up, you know, when you talk. So, so the U.S. SOCOM, again, that was... The U.S. SOCOM had contracts with GSG and L3 Communications, um, and it was a specific project that maybe you can look up on USA Spending that was kicked off, the RFP was responded to in... Um, if I remember off the top of my head, before I left the Navy, and it was active as of 98. So the contract so in essence was from 95, to be honest. But um, okay. it wasn't like one completely till 97. It was a very important contract, but very pertinent to the affidavit too, actually. Okay, so this, this whole thing is explained by you at the time, we're working for Global Strategies Group, and so all Correct. the contracting yeah. Yeah, 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 and that could have been me explaining, you know, they had a contract in place from, like, 95, I think, when they got the first award, and then there was a re-award in 97, uh, that then, 96 or 97, it was while I was in the Navy that they got the re-award, and I was attached to that through Global Strategies And it was working with L3 Communications, so it was L3 Communications, TAC, Sophie in France, and then GSG. So a few times removed. Okay. Um, so. But obviously there's a lot of things that I can't say, um, you know. But listen, Global Strategy Group, I'm Brennan, so I've never heard of you. It doesn't seem like this is true. Brennan, yeah. The, yeah. Of course he would say that. Work, of course he would say that. But, but Tori, when you moved into the house in Beaverton, right? I looked at the court case, so this is your... Yeah, I don't know about to... that, but that has to do probably with the case that we spoke about with, because um, that's the first time I heard about that. I, I even asked... So the rental papers, the only reason no, I'm not, that's the rental not, papers that you signed. That is something have... from my husband, not me. 
I'm telling you that because I had no idea about that. My lawyer didn't it's even know about it. It's your handwriting. It's your handwriting. I don't know. I don't know. You got distinctive handwriting. I don't know. You work for Syracom as a translator. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, whatever you said after the fact doesn't doesn't add up to anything that I know. It was the first time I heard about it was today when my lawyer was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, I had no idea. So listen, the article is going to say that the strategies group and Brennan say that they're ahead of you and that. Right. So then my, my response to that article should be, of course, Brennan would say that because then he would have to be admitting that every single U.S. citizen's communications, personal identifying information is housed offshore. That's why he would say that. I would say that if I was Brennan. Is that, is that the same for Global Strategies Group? But of course, they would deny you work for them because then they'd have to admit it. Yeah, of course. Who do you think moves everything over? So you're saying, of course, Global Strategies Group and Brennan would say that? Yeah, I mean, you've seen that we actually have a contract for congressional knowledge database housed in Germany, right? I, I don't know that. It's on spending.gov. Okay. So, so, you know, of course he's going to deny and they're going to deny because they're enemy number one. But every single one of them have left paper trail and I've left enough paper trail. So when I'm actually in the right place, I could say, hey, look at that. Because this is how they operate. They're not going to tell. I mean, you were there, weren't you, when Brennan said that he wasn't spying on the Senate? Was he? I was when, yeah, I, I've seen that clip where he was okay. talking about the computers for the Senate inquiry. Right. Yeah. Was he though? They apparently were, yeah. Okay, but he work. lied under oath. Yes, it's okay. very possible that he did. Oh, no, he did. So he's going to sit there and tell you, yeah, Tori's telling you everything. I totally know Tori. And yes, we have a database with everybody's information that everybody can access to the highest price. That's what I'm saying. Okay. You're giving credence as if his word means anything. You should ask him in 2016 in that closet in Alexandria what happened and you couldn't destroy the scripts. That's what you should ask him. Or you could also ask him why you guys whacked Khashoggi when he was being exposed as an IIA asset. Those are questions Listen, you I know, should ask him. I know that you, um, I know that you dispute him and Global Strategies Group. But yeah. I, I would really, it would be really helpful to see any kind of uh, evidence or, you know, any, anything you could show me. Perhaps there's like something you could show me that wouldn't uh, reveal classified things. Maybe there's like a Here's ID the card. Or, Here's the thing. The, uh, yeah. First of all, right, we use biometrics, right? Second, I did have evidence, um, but I had to send it off to the Department of Justice, which I did. And I kept so you none of it. In your possession. Yes, yeah. I had it, and I gave it to the Department of Justice. I mailed it off. So there's nothing, yeah. Um, nothing in my possession, and nothing that I would share. Well, okay, they're two different things. So you do have some things in your possession, but you just don't want to share. I don't have something in my possession, my physical possession, but I'm also reluctant to share. Uh, because if I had something like that in my possession, like, for example, you know, phone calls of the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, you know, discussing remedies to how they can stymie the inauguration of Trump, that would be considered a crime because those are presidential communications. 
even if they were stored offshore and I had legal access to it. So I'm just saying, you're asking me to incriminate myself, and that can't happen. Just like you asked Brennan to incriminate himself by identifying me. Okay. So it's your position still that from 1999 to 2014, you were, in fact, an intelligence contractor, and that is true. Yeah, I mean, how do you say? What do you say? I conducted clandestine operations. I mean, seriously? You're you're in this business, you know exactly what journalists are, what students are when they're overseas, clergies, etc. Really? You have to be straight. I wish there was something from Global Strategies Group that you could show me to prove that you worked there. Like, there must be some kind of email or some anything. So... Why don't you ask them why they pulled down their server and overhauled it in, in early 2020? I can ask them things like that, but they're not no, going to give me any proof. Yeah, I know, because it's a private company. They don't have to give you shit. You know that. But, right, right. But, so, but ask them why they took it down. Ask them why GCHQ I, went down at the same time. I might ask them that, but you know what I'm saying? You know why I'm asking this specifically to you? Because there are people who are contradicting your resume and your biography. And I'm, Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, Doesn't matter. I'm you can give me something right. that will, will right. prove it otherwise. John, you're a reporter and you're an investigative reporter. What you should be looking at is the facts. There is nothing in that affidavit except for you to dispute the fact that I can't talk about who, what, when, where, and specificities because that's incriminating myself. Having committed crimes against the people, even though it was a private business, even though I was not acting in an official capacity as a government official, you're asking me to admit to clients. I cannot do that. Now, aside from my resume, which is pretty thin in reality, right? Pretty thin. I can't see how you can refute anything that I wrote after that. So after the lines of me introducing myself in the most vague manner, explaining, yeah, I know my stuff. And here's how I know my stuff, because people like that, it's all about titles and tiaras. Everything below that is irrefutable. So So let me go through that with you guys. So that way you can see it. Because I think um, uh, the, uh, you know, introduction to myself was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't, um, it wasn't something... Uh, that someone can dispute. I'm there as a fact witness, not an expert witness. And I want to share that with you so you can see it. I said, I've been a private contractor with experience in gathering and analyzing foreign intelligence. Hold on, let me share the screen. So you guys that are watching can see it and I'll have to read it uh, for those listening to the podcast. So this is him interviewing me just to be clear. So I clearly say that I acted as a localizer during the deployment of projects and operations, both within the United States and outside. I'm a trained crypto linguist, hold a completed degree in molecular and cellular physiology, uh, have formal training in other sciences such as computational linguistics, game theory, algorithm aspects of machine learning, predictive analytics, among others. I have operational experience in sources and methods of implementing operations during elections, both within the United States and outside. I'm an amateur network tracer and cryptographer and have over two decades of mathematical modeling and pattern analysis. In my position from 1999 to 2014, I was responsible for delegating implementation by our other contractors subcontracting with U.S. or 9i's agencies identifying connectivity, networking, and subcontractors that would manage micro-operations. 
My information is personal knowledge and ability to detect relationships between the companies and validate that with cryptographic knowledge I know and attest to, as well as evidence of these relationships. In addition, I am well-versed due to my assignments during my time as a private contractor on how elections outside of the United States outside of the United States for countries I have an assignment at and within the United States, well-versed on the HAVA Act and more. And then I started. Here is, so anything above from one to seven, he can dispute that I'm over 21. He can dispute this. He can dispute that, everything. But it doesn't matter. On or about October 2017, I had reached out to U.S. Senate Majority Leader with an affidavit claiming that our elections in 2017 may be null and void due to lack of EAC certification. In fact, Senator Wyden sent a letter to Jack Cobb on the 31st of October 2017, advising discreetly, pointing out the importance of being certified EAC, being certified by the EAC, see, I wrote this, not very good, right, had issued a certificate to Pro-VNV that expired on February 4th. 24th, 2017, no other certification has been located. Now, that's how I started it because I have been doing this for a while. So anyone claiming, you know, oh, you're just jumping on the bandwagon or you're getting paid for this or you're na na na, whatever. I, my resume is very thin. It's private contractor, U.S. Navy, private contractor, that's it. And that's it. You know, everything else in between is all because of assignments. And so you're going to hear about that too. So uh, just trying to put it out, you know, people don't like the truth. They don't like facts. And nothing in my affidavit can be disputed at all. These are laws. These are facts. These are well-documented with links. Look at this. Nobody has this document, but I do what every single state attested to commit to, to make sure that we have fair elections. EAC voting system certification program. They don't like facts. How the heck did this chick have this document? Well, let's see. I've been doing this for a very long time. That's why. So um, they come targeted to people that have actual knowledge because it breaks the narrative that they have. So the only way to do that is by discrediting the lawyer by way of discrediting the people that put together the information. As all, oh, it's speculation. For me, it's very easy. And I knew it. I remember I was sobbing in prayer, honestly. In prayer, I was sobbing when I arrived to D.C. thinking, Jesus. This is not going to be good for me, and I'm ready for it because I need as much strength as I can because I know that they will crucify me. And um, this is why I put this out uh, straight open, you know, and put it out to the public to, so that the people know and that the people can see clearly. So here's more questions. Why are you trying to refute? the two paragraphs of the messenger rather than the message. Let me just check one thing, okay? One detail in this whole thing. So we've been talking about years 1999 to 2014. Mm. In early 2012, or maybe even slightly before then, you joined the, the Greek Orthodox school, right, in Beaverton as a volunteer teacher, as a Greek um, teacher. No, actually, um, actually, it was a little bit before that. 
um, I volunteered my time so that way it would offset tuition. And I was teaching the Greek language, you know, for the children. So my daughter was actually attending that because she was um, very behind in reading and writing due to uh, a medical injury. So how was it in 2012? And just to say the medical injury, so you know, is my child was vibrant and amazing. And um, right after she turned three, she had to get a bunch of um, vaccinations stateside to go to school. And she suddenly stopped talking. Um, she wouldn't um, speak. Uh, she was, her wrists were always bent. It was the weirdest thing I had ever seen. Um, and I had her uh, tested with a cognitive psychologist. Like she was so bright before that. Um, and I actually had taken her um, outside of the United States to get stem cell therapy to clear heavy metals um, for her. So, um, you know, when she got all those vaccinations, uh, you know, I had her assessed about a week later because something was wrong with my child. And, um, you know, like her wrists, she would bend them inwards. It was the weirdest thing. And she would groan rather than talk. And she was multilingual at the time. Uh, so hence why um, my youngest wasn't pushed into, um, you know, various languages at a young age because I needed her to develop correctly. So um, she did. And that's why I had her in that private school where I volunteered my time and taught children Greek um, so she could attend a um, school that would help her more. Uh, because the public schools don't. They wanted like title things and stuff like that. Um, and it was just dumb. So um, it was the easiest thing. I, I had to dedicate time. I was always late. It was an hour. I would always have to make sure I was there. There were many times that I just missed classes um, because of what I was doing. But, you know, I tried my best because when she got when she was going through therapy, guys, I was throwing her into like Montessori's, after school programs constantly um, because I was away because socialization would help. So I just wanted to say, um, you know, that's the injury she had. And that's why I put her there because when um, I had to go to Oregon, um, I needed to make sure that she was. Um, getting the best education and that school had the best education. So, uh, it was, uh, really important for me. And so for him to knock me on volunteering my time to offset some of, uh, the costs was so bizarre, but I knew where he was going with this. He was going to the fact that, Hey, you know, you had, they had put PhD. I already talked about the lady. She saw my email and had PhDC because I was a candidate and that was fact. But people like to string on little things and make them mountains when it's no big deal. And I even said, well, I'm not. She's like, well, you kind of are, so just forget it. You know, it makes the school look better. That's what I'm thinking, that it was put out there because it made the school look better. Um, and it didn't bother me. Uh, you know, if they wanted to look better, that's great. But that school is an incredible school. And it fosters children because my child, within one year of that educational system, she had excelled beyond belief. She had excelled 
she had soared um, because it was so uh, good for her. So, um, you know, good schools make a very big difference. And she started to read. And you would say, what? That's like 2012. That means that at seven she was reading? Yeah, at seven she started, you know, getting better because she had to relearn everything at a younger age. You were teaching at the school and you were doing this private intelligence contracting. Oh, so have you ever heard of telecommute? Have you ever heard of using computers? I was also doing research as well. Um, I was um, at laboratories. I was also um, appointed the managing director for um, uh, certified medical interpreters. They had a you know shop building. Uh, the CEO of that company was named Luis Provisano. He used to be the CEO of Language Line, which was created by the military, if you know, in Panama, right? And, um, what was that guy's so, name, sorry, the, the former CEO of Language Line? Provenzano. Provenzano. Mm -hmm. And what was his first yeah. name? Provenzano, P-R-O-V-E-N-Z-A-N-O. So, what was his first name? Louis. So, um, you know, he was all about localization and using certified um, healthcare interpreters, which I feel really passionate about because I've seen American citizens, uh, you know, suffer severe injury overseas. Uh, for not having adequate communication skills, you know, with their so, um, medical doctors. Yeah. So I did that too. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty. So you I'm did both at the same time. You, okay. You're pretty, pretty nifty. Yeah, and I'm pretty good at doing my time. Also, while I was doing that, I was flying around. I was a speaker at the IDCE conference down in Louisiana, which is for emergency management. Um, so I've had breakout sessions there, um, and you know that's totally verifiable as well uh, because I was working with the reverse 911 for emergency situation. I also helped craft portions of the what happened in Katrina, which was in regards to non-English speakers that includes ASL and how we would be able to communicate with them. There were a lot of things that I did, John. I'm, I'm pretty nifty. And whenever I come down to DC um, to work, it would be a flight. It's not like it's rocket science. Um, so, okay, <laughs> let's, now we've gone through some of the affidavit, let's go through some of those questions that you... So, just to be clear, I think he, what did he think that I was? Just a person that can only do one thing at a time? See how he tries to break it down? See how he tries to do it? Like what, I can't fly places? Are you saying because I live somewhere I can't do things? That's what's really bizarre. Everything he was saying was bizarre, and it made no sense. Kind of trying to do what? Well, go look it up look that I'm an expert on reverse 911 helping people in emergency situations when they don't speak English. That's my forte. And I said, nifty. I don't know. Why, and I know why I said that word because I had um, someone on my screen talking about South Park. You know, I'm a big South Park fan, right? And someone was like, whoa, that's pretty nifty. So I was trying to do that. Why did I say multitasking? But I guess nifty is being able to multitask. But uh, it's it's weird. He thought that people can only do like one thing, but I wanted to give him enough so he can run with anything. I'm a very efficient person. I do a lot of things in a day. Um, and I think that maybe it's just because the way it challenges me. You know, the, uh, we talked about earlier. So can I just check? So the first thing I asked about was about this allegation from the prosecutors that you use money from the Magic City Christmas funds to, to spend at McDonald's and Walmart. Is it your basic response to that? Okay, the money so did you read the case? Entertaining, did you read the entertaining case, entertaining potential people involved in the, Wait, in the event. Did you read the case? 
I've read. Okay. I haven't read all every single okay. filing, okay. but I've read lots of your filings and lots of states' filings. Okay, so as you see, they just went on a freaking binge, especially after my witness in Devil's Lake was shot in the head, right? After it was like August uh, 2018, a witness that I had by the name of Danny Fuller was shot by the police. A couple of days later, they filed like thousands of papers because I had my attorney who ran on the Democrat ticket as AG, right? Um, and you, and, um, you know, Wayne Stengem says he's a Republican. He's a total Democrat. He's a limp-wristed, porn-stash-wearing Democrat in disguise. But anyway, um, because I don't care about party lines. It's about justice. So he came at me with a lot of filings. So if you actually look at the filings, the only thing he had, and it's not more than $2,000, that's bullshit. He had something like 300 bucks in total, and that was cookies. And then I paid because there was a discrepancy with my other account, which then I moved over right away because I, my card wasn't working, where I purchased something and then moved it over the next day. But see, people don't pay attention to that. He was just grandstanding. He filed shit that doesn't exist. Like the okay, next so thing, PA, how is that possible? When in 1998, I was actually in London. So there's two basic answers that you've got to these to this claim. That one, the money that was spent on places like McDonald's was to entertain people that might have been involved in the event. Yes, correct. Whatever. It was. And two, and the Walmart you, and stuff, like and the two, you stuff. reimbursed the account with your own money. Exactly, and he saw that too. I was like, this is just so stupid that you would say that because all I had to do was transfer it because my app, my card wasn't working and they weren't taking like the virtual one, you know? And like, is, is, the, is your contention that you reimbursed the account in your court filings? Well, oh, yeah, it's there. Okay. It's, I'm there. Look it's it in there. And it was like, this okay. is such bullshit. I could do whatever I want with it regardless because I was paying for it. I'm out money. No one else is. I am. Yeah. I lost okay. money. Nobody else so, lost money. I did. I want to move on to the, the Pennsylvania checks case, right? right. And your lawyer mentioned that your purse had been stolen. So who was the guy whose checks they were? I don't know. I don't know. And that's another thing. We had actually tried to get that because I wanted to sue him hard for defamation. But apparently, they don't even have a file anymore. They have a very short file. Right. But, and that um, was strange, too. Because I was like, hey, here's record of me living in London. I was at the West End in Bayswater. Here it is. How would that be possible? Well, when did you move to London? 1990, 1997, December, came back here. Um, when was it? When we came back for training again. I finished my first training. Hold on. I finished my first training um, September... September of 97 to December. I went to London December of 97 and then came back in 99 for some UN training and some other stuff in Florida. But um, I, that, that's what I, went, I actually was there after Christmas and I, you know, I remember it because I didn't understand the exchange rate and someone told me that I was robbed having paid from London Heathrow um, to Edgewater where they had us housed up at the hotel, I had paid something like 120 pounds. The guy robbed me blind. Let me check. Okay, so the, the training you were doing September to, to December 97, where was that? I can't say that. Was it in Pittsburgh or in the Pennsylvania area? No, it was not. It was in Arizona. 
I'm sure. Now, I had gone to Coriopolis um, early, uh, so that would have been August of 97, right after, right after I got out. And they put me in a hotel, and then I was transported. First, I went to um, D.C., then I went to Pennsylvania to an Air Force base called Coriopolis. And the first thing is probably where I got drunk and I was underage and I couldn't report it because I was drunk. And the next day we hopped on a bird to go to Arizona. So, so why would it matter? So right, these checks, they were. So just to be clear, um, I went out with a bunch of jarheads um, and some Air Force people when we went there and we were um, going through some stuff on that Air Force base and um, everyone went to a karaoke bar and I went with them and everyone was flashing their IDs and I had a new ID that a lot of people didn't have um, at the time. It was a plain white card with a gold chip like the ones that you get on your um, credit cards. Uh, they called it the Mark Card, M-A-R-C. On the front, it would have my name, um, my blood type, um, and my date of birth, and um, an identifier. So as I was walking into the karaoke place with all these guys, and they were older than me too, uh, and they were just there to hook up, I guess, um, you know, they served me alcohol. And I was terrified because I, I think we were there for like three days. So it was the second day that we went out. Um, and I got really, really drunk and all these guys like left and um, I was singing <laughs> drunk with some random person from another table. And then I came back to the table and my whole bag was gone. And, um, you know, I had to find my way back uh, which was just, there was like this housing, like, um, I, I don't remember if it was on base or off base, but right flanking the base where we were staying at like these, um, service apartments, I want to say, or was it a hotel? I don't remember. It was so long ago. But when I got there, I told them that I had lost my purse and, um, just to hold on. And I went up to my suitcase and pulled out cash, um, that I had, you know, like in my duffel bag actually, and paid for it. And that was it. And then I reported, you know, my stuff lost. Um, I just said, you know, I went out and uh, maybe I left it in a cab. I didn't, I didn't want to say, Hey, I got shit faced and I'm underage cause I would have been in trouble. So, uh, but that happened like the first time I went there. Cause I went to Coriopolis three times. Um, and, um, they were like for a couple days. So, I had gone there for training. Never lived there. I don't know where they are. You're talking to me, and I don't know what it is. And the I was in the country. The prosecutors said. Yeah. So let me just say what they, they said. They claimed that you stole checks from this guy. Who's and this then guy? Them in your Who is this guy? Carty, his name is. James Who? Carty. Who's James Carty? C-A-R-T-Y. I don't know who that I don't know who he is, but, but you know, he's just, he's the alleged victim in this case. That's what they're saying. So listen to this. So here's the Washington reporter claiming this. Now, the attorney general had filed that shit in my civil case. And I was like, what the? F He's just filing anything he wants. That's where my lawyer was like, well, he doesn't, it doesn't have to be real. I was like, dude, that shit's Photoshop. Like, this is really messed up. So he goes into detail of this. And I'm like, okay, maybe someone who had my handbag and all my cash, because I had a lot of cash, pretended to be me. This is what 
me and my lawyer went through when we were asking for the file, but apparently it's lost. <laughs> okay. How convenient that the file is lost. That makes no sense. Uh, well, see, sense you know more than I do of- because whenever I ask for information, you know, they're like, you know, we don't have anything. The file is lost. And it's like, how the fuck is a file lost? And how are people saying that I've been convicted of something when I have zero criminal record? You had an apartment in Pittsburgh, right? You were living there for a little No, time. I was not. Well, they had, they had an address for you on the... That's impossible. The, That's what I'm saying. Charges. I didn't. I was temporarily there working out of Coriopolis. So you were working out of Coriopolis. What were, the, what were the dates you were working in Coriopolis? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But I even had okay. you no know, family there. Like, you know, I wasn't like, this is just so crazy. And when it came up, I was like, okay, well, let's see it then. And it's like, oh, you don't have anything. But people use something that's not mine that I can prove I wasn't even physically there, you know, to say things. Okay, so when I spoke with your lawyer earlier, he said that the estimation was your Paris was stolen. But what I don't understand is, and maybe you can help, right? Yeah, my first was stolen. The alleged thing that happened is that the checks were stolen from this guy, Carthy. And his okay. signature was written on them, and then they were paid into your bank account. What so bank account? Make... The only bank account I had was Navy Federal. It was, I can tell you, if you bear with me, I think it was called something, something national, but I'm just... Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't bank. I've only had Bank of America and Navy Federal. Um, so that's impossible. Okay, let me just check. So, 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 um, so you know, national, so that would be defamation. Yeah, Sorry. but it would be defamation the thing, the to the National City Bank of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I don't have a national city bank of anything. Did you at the time? Never, ever, ever, ever. So just wanted to say, you have to be very careful because when you put things like that as a matter of fact, and I don't have a criminal record and you're claiming one, that's defamation. Now, this is, this look, that's, that's what I'm going once I get to the Supreme Court, because as you can see, the attorney general was lucky because with process shit and default, he was asking me to produce things that I didn't have. And it's like, so I don't have it, therefore default? How does that work in America? What are we in Gestapo, China? That's just saying, I know, I'm just saying, be very careful. Because for you to tell me that this is legitimate when I have zero criminal record, that's a problem. When did you first become aware that they were making these charges against you? What charges? This is civil court. You understand that, right? No, no, it's criminal. No, it's not. You it didn't read it correctly. Right. It's a civil case. I'm looking at the criminal complaint. It says at the top. Where? Criminal the attorney complaint. general did a criminal complaint? No, no, this is oh. Pennsylvania case. Which oh, 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 I, I found out when the attorney general filed it. Sorry, no. I know the North Dakota case is civil, oh, but we're talking okay. about the Pennsylvania case. I didn't know until first. the attorney general manifested that. Oh, so that was the first you heard of it? Yes. Okay. And your attorney mentioned that he thought that once when you re-entered the country, maybe at LaGuardia, they raised it. And, no, the, and he didn't. I said that to him. I said, you know, twice when I've entered the country, they had stopped me and checked me. Um, the one time, it wasn't LaGuardia. It was EWR, actually. And then once, yeah, when I flew direct to LA from Asia, and you know, they said, wait, we're waiting on a warrant. And they were like, okay, you could go. You're like, you know, six inches too short. And I was like, all right, maybe that was it. 
That's what I was thinking. That was me connecting so, the dots. It's not a fact. Okay. Oh, I see. So in, yeah. in retrospect, you were maybe connecting yeah, the dots. Yeah, that's when I was having okay. the discussion with him when I was like, I want to see this shit. I want to know what this is. Uh, you know, that's how, you know, I was like, oh, you know, twice when I came in. Once when I came in to New York and I was at EWR and I came in, that was 2000 that I came in that it happened. And then um, again, in yeah, it was later on in 2000 when I entered from LAX. So basically, people said something at the time, you didn't really know what they were getting at, and since then you thought, oh, maybe they were talking about this Pennsylvania thing. Well, no, they didn't tell me anything. They just said, you have to wait here, ma'am. There may be a warrant for you, and I'm like, okay. I was like, whatever. I wasn't worried about it. I was just sitting there. And then they'd come back and say, sorry, we just had to wait for it. We apologize, okay. no problem. That's what happened. So so overall, basically, you don't know who James Carty is. No, I don't. And you, and you didn't yeah. take his no, check. I didn't even know him. about it until like about a year ago, two years, whenever it was filed. Because I was okay. like, what the fuck is this? How can an attorney general file something so fake? That's what I said to him. That's exactly what I told my attorney. Yeah. I was like, this has got to be Photoshop. There's no way. Okay. So you just don't know what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. And let's just make this clear. The attorney general had secret subpoenas up my ass. He refused to take me to criminal court. If indeed that was true, he would have locked my ass up years ago because he hates me. I actually confronted him myself. So I'm explaining everything before the hit piece, just so you know. So I am being fully transparent. 2018, I met with him face to face and I was like, yo, I'm serving you. He's like, you can't serve me. And I was like, he's like, not right now, because it was at the GOP convention. And I looked at him and I said, do you want a circus? Because I got the monkeys. Just say the word. That is exactly what I told him. If you want a circus, I have the monkeys. And he looked at me like, whatever. Well, tell you what happened right then and there. Couple weeks later, Jeff Sessions turned up to North Dakota because I had sent him shit filed. I had sent it to the White House. I had sent it to the DOJ. I had spent $160 that at the time I had to ask that POS that I was married to for money because I had forfeited all my money to protect my family because I was under litigation. And I paid that. So that way I can make sure that I have receipt that I sent it with UPS signed and delivered. He turned up three weeks later to North Dakota. So I'm telling you, he was hot on me. And then months later, he started filing all this shit. You think that if that was real, that he wouldn't have locked me. He would have loved to have done that. Wayne Stengem would have loved it. Because, you know, in his face, I tell him exactly it. In the court, the actual acting, the assistant attorney generals accosted me. And I even smirked at the dude. And I was like, dude, are you fucking her? Like on the side. I say everything in front of your face. There is nothing that I won't say in your face that I will say behind your back. 
And so that terrifies them because here's the thing. If I was listening to Adam Schiff's calls, if I was listening to Pelosi, if I knew everything they were doing because I had access to it, you think I didn't hear what the attorney general was saying? Because all that shit was on the server too. So I saw everything. I was 20 steps ahead. I knew what they were doing. I knew they had secret subpoenas before they filed it. And they were talking with an attorney called Ellie, Eli, Ali, something. I have her name somewhere saying, we got to be really careful. So she doesn't know there's emails, emails. And all I did was taunt the shit out of them. Cause that's how they trip up. So again, if there was anything there, he would have brought it on if there was anything there. So I would gaslight the hell. I didn't care what that people are going to sit there and try to get at me and tell me who I am. Nope. This is how wars are really played out when you go up against really big people. So the fact that this Waypo guy thought that he's going to discover something that the whole state with secret subpoenas couldn't discover, you know, is, is quite entertaining actually. I don't, I don't, I don't. And the thing that I, that, that my lawyer told you is me saying, well, you know, if, if someone is going under the assumption, then maybe this, but either way, it doesn't make sense because, you know, I wasn't even here. So that was really okay. bizarre too. Let's talk like, about it's that. not like they couldn't find um, me. Sorry, come on. I'm just saying, it's not like they couldn't find me. <laughs> I don't know why they couldn't find you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so the, the Beaverton case where you and your husband were taken to court by that lamp. I don't want to talk about my husband. That, that is actually, I don't want to talk about that at all. I need you to like seriously stay away from anything with Barry. And what you brought up, I didn't know about. He's like, maybe it's something that he did. You know, I, I haven't even looked at that on a personal level, I'm just telling you. I can't even look at that right now. I'll lose my mind. So okay. I kind of try to steer from it at the moment. Uh, please. Like, no, please, because the minors that are involved, this will all be out there, and I do not need that stress on the victims. Bigger victims. I'm not that big of a victim. Me, it's more financial stupid shit. We're not going to mention it. Yeah. Um, so anything that comes I, up with him, I can pretty much tell you, First time hearing. When I saw that, I was like, what the hell is that? It's probably another one of those. Because I'm finding out, you know, that, you know, almost 20 years with one guy, I had no idea who he was. So, and, and that's probably well, because so, I've been so busy. Sorry, go. No. So this, uh, this case was quite a while ago. I, my understanding was you, you hadn't separated in the last couple of years. No, just December 5th, 2019. December 6th, 2019. Um, so this this was back in 2012. This case. Yeah, I know, but everything that he's done. To me. Okay, I'm sorry. So I do not know. Okay. Well, let's move on to the. Uh, well, I'm looking at the email. We've addressed it together. We said things that you yeah, don't. Yeah, with know. the profile. Okay. I have tons of those profiles um, that I can. And with your education, right? Yeah. I know you got your bachelor's in biology. Yeah, it was molecular and cellular biology to be exact. Yeah, that was in 2011, right? Mm -hmm. That was well, 2010 was the graduation ceremony. I was doing a couple of things at the same time. Um, I um, I wanted to learn about human cloning that you said is vague. Um, I was actually working on mitochondrial research for uh, oncology research, 
pediatric oncology specifically, which is um, you know, for osteosarcoma tumors, uh, deliverance of medication. So that was research that I did. Um, and you know, I only went to school to just garner education that I needed for whatever my goal was. Um, I was pursuing a PhD, but I haven't completed uh, an MBA that I had to stop. And if you read the case with the attorney general, he actually HIPAA violated me by putting down why I stopped my MBA a couple courses short. So just making it clear. So not only did the attorney general violate my uh, constitutional rights by putting out secret subpoenas and that bank, the bank's name is Gate City Bank, just handed over everything. Um, he um, also violated my HIPAA rights by making public knowledge that I was sick. And so, you know, I have no rights. I mean, I want you guys to understand just how of a big deal it is. And this is why I say, you know, this is the problem that we have in our nation is our judicial system. If that's broken, there's no going back to it. So think about it. Think about, I had no constitutional rights. He violated my HIPAA and made it completely public, you know, and I'd love to sue him, but I can't afford it. And, you know, I'm right now just trying to get his stupid case thrown out because he's made all of that public record. I've tried to, um, you know, get it, you know, sealed because he violated my HIPAA. The judges didn't give a shit. They didn't give a shit. It was totally illegal. What he did was illegal. He went fishing, hoping that he could find something. That's why I said when he was throwing around that stupid thing that could have been the identity theft, I was like, all right, okay. If there was something there, he would have used it. Could it have been a trap? Could it have just been, you know, some Jose chick that, that had it? Uh, you know, it could have been anything. I didn't do it. So I don't care. I don't want to address something that's none of my business. But the matter of fact here is, is that I had no rights whatsoever. And this is how they go. So um, it is a very big deal when our nation is at this point, right? That, that the people don't have rights. So which was disgusting of him to make, you know, violate my HIPAA. Okay, well, we won't do that. Yeah, um, no, I'm just I saying. Just but but yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't complete those. At the universities in London, I um, attended um, universities there, um, went through um, LLB training programs uh, for classes that I needed for assignments that I was put on. Let's just put it that way, for the type of work I did. Oh, so the universities in London, you didn't actually get degrees, but you did courses. Right, so like, correct. Because like I said, you being a journalist, usually assets are students, journalists, clergy, whatever. Okay, and so one question on that, right? When you worked at that school, their website called you doctor and said you had a PhD. Oh, I was pursuing and, and an MBA. MBA. Yeah, I, I wondered why that was. People always blow things. I am, listen, in essence, my paper is done. It's just that I'm reluctant to file it because people want credit for it. This is the truth. I'm a bitch about that you, stuff. I say people finished. always like things. No, the university um, wants credit for the 
it was a whole debacle. I don't want to get into it. But um, yeah, I mean, I've completed my research on it and it was just a overstatement. I was like, oh, who cares? Leave it. I don't care anymore. And I do have my MBA. Technically, the three classes that I could not complete um, will do over is because I got sick. Did you tell the school that you had a PhD in MBA? No, no, no. I never stated that. Okay. I said PhDC candidate. It was always so PhD they, with the list at the bottom. That. That's, that's always my signature at my university email, too. Where were you doing the PhD? Various universities. But rather than you slander all of them, the less I say, the better. I thought you kind of had to be attached to one to, to do a PhD. Mm, actually, you can cooperate when it comes to research. So it would be like kind of like how Peter Knight has the Knight Institute, works with Oregon, but also works with UCLA, UC Davis, right? Right. Okay. So with, so with the schools, do you think what happened is you told them you were a PhD candidate and an MBA? Oh, no, I told them that. I was a PhD candidate. That is a fact. My research was actually in private labs, still being done, right? In a private lab. And um, it, on my signature, it would say a PhD C, which is PhD candidate, um, the little C. So what, yeah, what I'm saying is, do you think the school saw that and they, on their website misinterpreted it? I, yeah, you had that's fine. Okay. That's fine. And I remember speaking to like the person, I was like, well, I'm not like perfectly that. Um, yeah, but she's like, well, you're pretty much doing it, so who cares? And I was like, all right, whatever. It wasn't, it didn't matter. It didn't okay. matter. <laughs> kind of like the way I secured my Twitter handle as DR Lindemann, so nobody could steal it. Because I, I was under the assumption that there wasn't that much politics in medical research. I was wrong, obviously. It's the same true for that email that you had, Dr. Lindman, that you were observing it so that Yeah, yeah, so nobody takes it. It's like, you know, kind of like if someone grabbed Mickey Mouse first. Are we really going to go by that? So you wanted just to have them so that you could use them when you did get your book? Yes, yes. It was always my goal. I mean, no one starts something to say it's not right? I guess not. Um, so the medical school thing, so mm -hmm. tell me through that. So. So I, I heard on a few podcast things, you mentioned that you went through medical school. I did. I went to the uh, College of Medicine at the University of Kentucky. I took um, the first year, well, it wasn't only first year, it was two years of the actual uh, brick and mortar, you know, gross anatomy, neural blocks, um, rounds, ICMs, um, and uh, obviously the MS PhD track program too. So that's all part of the College of Medicine, both MDs and PhDs. Um, and usually that's a four to six year program, right? PhDs and stuff, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, it's an I yeah, like four years. So yeah, so I did go there and I was specifically going there because I was taking classes on the graduate level while I was doing the undergraduate only to have access to Dr. Zabos who, um, Pioneer human cloning. So on that medical school thing, right? When I confirmed your degree with the University of Kentucky, they said that you did enroll with the graduate school, but not the medical school. Well, no, it's College of Medicine. If you look at my courses, they're all MD classes. So those as a graduate classes, student, right? Because I'm the PhD track, right? 
So those classes, these were after you got your bachelor's. You went mm -hmm. to the and yeah, yeah, MD yeah. eight one You'll see some of the stuff that they gave because I took a lot a lot of other classes. You know how students um, uh, go to other universities and take classes for training. You know, they take like a six months and go to another one to do specialized stuff, and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. So is it basically to sum it all up? Is it basically fair to say that after you did your bachelor's at University of Kentucky, not after currently, but yeah. Sorry, it was at the same time. Yeah, because when I graduated undergrad, my graduation ceremony was December 2010. So in essence, I had completed all the coursework for an undergraduate degree in two years. So you did some medical classes at the University of Kentucky? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. I did, as a concurrently, concurrently, because I had, I had to wait to technically get that in order to credit them for graduate. So if you actually look at my transcript, I was doing a lot. I even took classes at other colleges too. I think I made Dean's List for organic chemistry at some college because taking five classes didn't stimulate me enough. I needed more. Um, so when, so the university, sorry, the, the North Dakota Attorney General's office, right, in mm -hmm. one of their filings, yeah. they said that you, in a few small claims court cases, said that you were a pediatric oncologist. No, I worked in pediatric oncology. That's what I was focused on. Deliverance of medications for pediatric oncology, specifically that of osteosarcoma. So was that your research area? Yes. See, this is why I say a lot of people talk shit a lot. So you never, you never claim to actually be a qualified. No, I'm not a qualified pediatric oncologist. Um, have you got those small claim court records that show what, what it is you're talking about? Though? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. All right. That's all right. Okay. Um, Okay, so moving on to another thing in the email, right? It's fair to say, right, that you have you've expressed support for Pizzagate. I've heard you say that it was accurate. Um, Pizzagate? Yeah. So what do you refer to as Pizzagate? To be clear, because I don't want to be saying yes and no, and I'm not understanding what you mean by it. Well, there's an episode of your podcast where you say that Pizzagate is true. That there is this, I suppose the, the way of summarizing Pizzagate is that there's this elite pedophile conspiracy right and and originally it was thought that that involved the restaurant in dc okay, a, a restaurant in dc listen you, conspiracy theory but pizza gate pizza is how they call little kids right this is where i'm referring to that's actually validated by the fbi they know it you know it right that's valid now you can ask lindsey graham what kind of freaking insurance <coughs> excuse me what kind of insurance i sent him anonymously along with my complaint that Hillary Clinton had a separate server with Google back in 2009. See, a lot of people don't want to talk about kitty diddling, especially me in this situation, because as you understand, the thing that I want to stay away from, right? But this is, this is a real thing. You should go back to the attorney general's office and ask him why his second wife left him and where the original filing is. It may be pizza related. So pizza meaning children, right? That is their code word. This is well documented. Now, Alephantis, the whole pizza, I don't have firsthand knowledge. Great story. But when we're talking about children being abused and used, it's fact. And if anybody says that that doesn't exist, that, you know, Michael, what's his name? Wolf wasn't on the Epstein jet getting head from a 14-year-old girl. That's bullshit too. And that, you know, they don't engage things like this because there's evidence of that. 
So, you know, I don't see how it's a conspiracy theory when these things are factual, you know, pizza gate, meaning little kid gate, rather than saying kitty diddling gate or child raping gate. Sounds a little bit more coded, right? So that is real. And Seth Rich, do you think it's true that he was basically killed because of what he knew about the Democratic Party in the email? So the DNC server wasn't, was imaged by the FBI. You know that, right? Yes. Okay. I think that's that. Yeah. So no, this is this is how it happened. Seth Rich is a good guy, and things happen when you find election software and you see how it works. Because you, that's the thing. A lot of people think Hillary's emails were damning, and uh, yeah, they were terrible. They were showing a side of her that nobody wants to see. Linnet covered for her. Everybody and their mother covered for her. They conspired fake hacks to cover for her. But the, the DNC server was imaged by the FBI in early, you know, ugh, they covered for her. It's disgusting because in there were even the trapdoor keys for the election meddling software. I mean, the commitment keys were there. Everybody knows that. The negotiations were there. That's what's most important. Not the stupid slicing chickens from all out and having children in bathtubs like the death of the pervert had. It's that. Okay. It's the negotiations, the international communications that we have, the quid pro quo, uh, you know, the shit talk about other people, the taking, you know, destroying people's lives, kind of, you know, hit pieces. Okay. Um, but do, do you think Seth Rich was murdered? Um, I mean, he was shot and still had his wallet in his watch yeah, he, he was obviously, sorry. Yeah, it's uh, like a guy was, from, was he? I forget his name. Oh, God forgive me for not remembering that guy's name. But it's like the guy that worked for um, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services that beat himself up in the driveway and died. Kind of like that. I forgot. Obviously, Seth Rich was murdered. Why not? Was was it in connection with the Democratic Party rather than just a robbery, as the police and authorities have said? I mean, the Iwan brothers can answer that quite well. Who can? What the Iwan brothers, ISI, is you know Pakistani intelligence. They could tell you that. Okay. Um, so we we were talking earlier in the call about the political. Um, motivations for this North Dakota case. And I think you said to me that I was wrong to suggest that you had said it was to do with your mayoral expiration. Yes, yes. But that is in, that is in the court filings, right? That well, okay, so I threw my hat in to run for mayor to avoid him doing hits on me because I was already aware, listen to this, just so you understand how they work when they want to get at you. Do you know how they started an investigation on me? Um, well, they said that they got a complaint and they got in touch with you. Right. But they've never manifested a complaint because there is no complaint. They've actually right. stated that for the record at the court a million times. On the record with their mouth. They never received a complaint. That's okay. false. Because they've said that in court. Because I've asked them. And that was the first question I asked them when they called me on December 1st. Do you know why they, they, they 
starting something on December 1st? No way. Okay. So November 30th, the uh, U.S. Army Corps engineers arrived to North Dakota to tell uh, city and state officials that their survey of the Mouse River that took, for whatever reason, six and a half years to complete was now completed. And, you know, this was a little bit too late because the city needed money uh, to build flood protection and they could have used FEMA money, but they couldn't, you know, because the survey wasn't done, right? Yeah. And um, and it was purposely delayed. That was the whole purpose of me putting on the event too, to raise attention to how this these shenanigans go. Um, the Bank of North Dakota was going bankrupt. They had, because it's the only state-run bank in the nation, right? And um, they had just gone bankrupt. They had sold off student loans they had, and they needed money. And the only way they could do it was lend money. So the city of Minot, that's already in the hole, like there's no underwriter in their right mind that would give the money, applied for a loan from the State Bank of North Dakota of over $200 million. Uh, no, it was $180 million, sorry. It was in initially more, which actually went through state legislation. And so that's why I wanted to draw attention to the Mouse River, because the city of Minot that is already in the red is now $180 million in the hole when they didn't need that money, when they could have gotten it from FEMA. But for some reason, the U.S. Army Corps engineer couldn't finish. Now, I can tell you the conversations that ensued after that were, how did you guys, you know, what made you guys do it so quickly? Oh, it was this chick named Turk Sahori Mass Lindemann who sent communications to federal authorities that raised the flag. The next day after that meeting, I get a phone call from some guy with, you know, uh, the biggest heart on ever asking me questions and mocking me. And, oh, you're so cool. You're so this. And I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, okay, can you tell me what took me to the top of the pile of the attorney general's office? Why you're calling me? Can someone complain? Can I see the complaint? He's like, I don't have to tell you anything. Know your place. That's all he had to say because John Brennan used that line on me too. That was my trigger point. I hung up and I was like, look, just deal with it later. He was also very angry that I canceled the event. Took the hit of over three grand in cost myself out of pocket. I didn't care because, you know, I knew, I didn't know if they were trying to go after the president, after the cause, what they were doing. I mean, I know McCain got in contact with Wayne because they're best friends and McCain hates me. Because I know, <laughs> I can't talk about that. But I'm just saying, they started this whole thing. And before they had a filing in court, they had already sent out secret subpoenas. Okay. Okay? And that's the thing. How does the Attorney General of North Dakota send out all these secret subpoenas, probe my bank account, demand information, even violate my FERPA that had nothing to do with his claim? Think about it. Like, if you look at my case, you're going to be like, this is a shit show. Like, what does this all have to do? No one lost money. There's no evidence of anybody complaining. So why the fuck is this going on? Aside from it being free, fraud, waste, and abuse, that just gives more credence that I know exactly what I'm talking about. Because why would they use a missile to come after a fly? Look, take a step back from this whole thing, right? So this story that we're writing... It's going to go into the fact that, you know, there are, people are questioning your credibility. Because Why would they question? Right. But that's the problem with today's media. John, I'm just telling you. 
I've been around this rodeo before. People trying to slam me. Slam me for what? Use that I and my, my family were a victim against me? Use what? That John Brennan said he doesn't know me? Of course he's going to say that. Or else he's going to be hung for treason in a heartbeat with the shit that I said. So what? That the attorney general came after me with no complaint, no money loss, none. Look at the paperwork. None. He even said he doesn't want to go criminal. I told him, take me to fucking criminal court. And he wouldn't. It was just a smear campaign. So your job as media shouldn't be hitting the people like they did, you know, uh, Miss, um, what was her name? Cologne? Melissa? The one that was, you know, where they were like, oh, she danced for a living. And so you're going to use me being attacked for doing nothing but locking up a deputy U.S. marshal for seven years for kitty diddling, making public record that Attorney General Wayne Stengem fund, supports, and obfuscates for national organizations using the State Department visa program to bring in minors that are then trafficked through reservations and out of Nevada. This is all public record. Okay. So this is why he came after him. You're going to use that to discredit me. Here's the thing. People like me don't exist. Right? People like me don't exist. You mean because you're not on record because you have to do secret things? Well, yeah. I mean, everybody thinks that the clergy in Turkey was just a clergy. Is that what you mean when you say people like me don't exist? You mean that there's no records of what you've done because it's secret? Exactly. Like, is there a record that John Brennan, you know, was recording all the information of the Senate? No, there's no record, but we all know he did it. And his answer was, well, we need the computers. Is there a record that all of Congress's communications, emails and everything is stored under Merkel's purview? Actually, unfortunately there is, there's a receipt for that through Dynology, if I'm not mistaken, or Jones International Group on usaspending.gov trust that everything in that affidavit can be debatable, right? So look at it. Is there anything in there that I said that's false? You have to take me on what I said, not who you think I am, right? Not who you think I am. Right? Take you on what you said in your affidavit? No. Well, in my affidavit, I'm explaining without, you know, painting myself into a million corners the type of work I did. Okay. In the safest way that I can for myself. What am I supposed to say? Oh, guess what? John Brennan had everything the NSA collects, and he would just store it on these big servers overseas, and the highest bidders could access it. Should I say that? But before we write this article, right, I just want to give you the opportunity to like revise anything. If you want to say, to be clear, you worked for Global Strategies Group for only these years and not these years. If you want to say, actually, you didn't do this kind of work, Work. What do you mean, actually? What? No, I did all of that work and then some. The thing that I'm telling you is history will not be kind, John, to people that don't look at the facts. Right now, I know this isn't your country, and that's fine. You have a queen. That's what's up. But, yeah, hey, you know, whatever. But, and she's been like 80 for how long? But anyway, um, yeah, she. Look at the stuff that I put in my affidavit. Is there a question that you have there that needs clarification? Is there anything that's refutable? Except for me. Except for me, right? Which, unfortunately, 
for me to prove who I am, I have to paint myself in a corner and, you know, Leavenworth will be my home for the rest of my life. Except for me, tell me what is it that you refute or can say it's been debunked that I wrote in there? Um, Aside from okay, so on, so on that, right? Yeah. So on that. The main problem that you identify is that there was this huge dump of votes for Biden. And that just has been comprehensively debunked, right? Wow. Because that was areas where lots of people live just reporting their okay. mail votes. Okay. And that's why there were these big jumps. Okay. So did you, were you paying attention to the Ukraine elections in 2014? Which one? 2015, 2014? The 2014. <clears throat> were you, um, Observing those? I was not with you. Okay. So in my affidavit, well, you know what? Let me pull it up so that way I can go through that portion with you. So I can So guys, as you see, they're not worried about the stolen elections. They don't care. They just want to make it go away. Um, and that's all. And in this further segment that I'm gonna stop right there, because here's where we get into the nitty-gritty, um, he uh, you know, was telling me that, oh, there were a lot of people, that's the excuse they're going to use, and that's why the ballots were dumped. That's not how it goes, you guys. That's not how it works. I already explained how it works. My affidavit is stellar. There is nothing in there that they can debunk. He can debate who I am all he wants because there's no way I can do anything about it. Now, having said that, I wanted to make an extensive video on this, and I know a lot of you are like, well, why? Because they're coming hard. All assets are deployed. I just had one of the crown's best. Huh. Best. So let's get into the good stuff. Let's get into what's really going on now. Hold on. Let me share a screen. So I'm going to show you what's up. Give me a second. Okay. Man, I really hope he doesn't have to make me sue. It's going to be hard because I can't. I can't even afford my divorce yet. Okay, here we go. Um, let me pull it up. Do you see that? Okay. And for those that aren't watching, listen carefully. George Soros with the owner of Smartmatic, Mark Malik Brown. I've talking about I've talked about Lord Malik before on my shows. Drop that name a few times. The software that switched votes for Trump to Biden. I heard the Soros family wants this photo off the internet. Well, I RT'd that and reminded Brennan of Patricia, right? Patricia is this clown's wife. <laughs> I always had to entertain her in the past. Smartmatic machines were manufactured in China. Now they're manufactured in Taiwan. That's actually well-documented. Um, very well-documented, actually. Very, very well-documented. Um, a lot of people think Taiwan is not China. It is. It is. Do you think that the whole world tells you that... They won't acknowledge Taiwan because Taiwan is independent. That's not it. 
So I mentioned TSMC to the reporter as well. I've mentioned solar winds in the past. I've mentioned what my affidavit clearly states. Our machines were open and accessible to every single, every single election machine because of the hardware used. Now, you are able to access these machines through anything around. Let me find that tweet, actually, because then people will understand. Um, let me find it because I've made this example. Like some of the comments on it were so stupid, too, because it's like, you know, keyboard people that lick Doritos and wipe it on their chest on their lawn chair kind of thing, right? Um, um, let's see. I have that tweet. Um, there it is. Okay, let me share that for those that need to see. And I will explain with um, for those listening. I tweeted out on the 30th of November, secure elections government camp. I can enter your network through your printer. I was tempted to have it print. Governor Kemp is guilty of treason, but that would be a crime. So I refrain from doing that. Hey, DHS Gov, the COT software is Chinese giving backdoor to our GOV. So I showed that I can find, you know, things. It can be a printer. It can be an iPad. It can be a a thermostat, it can be um, a Google Home device, it can be anything. It could be a cell phone, because I had some cell phones pop up. Oh, I don't have screenshots on here, do I? But I had the whole, <laughs> I had the whole server of uh, Michigan on a Pixel 5. I kid you not that there was a Pixel 5 Google device housing uh, the Michigan server. I have, I have screenshots of that. Um, so this is how you would enter. So you would find what's on their network, and then I can look up the software for Kyocera Copystar CS2560 and find the chipsets they use, find what firmware updates they have, and then I can access it and get in. That's how you do it. So uh, this is how I can access your network, and this is how I can get in to fix things. It's, it's sneaky, but it's the best way to do it, right? And so I've been saying this for a while. Uh, though, again, um, because of what the Attorney General did to me, very, very smart. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the Assistant Attorney General, Brian Card, is probably BFFs with Brennan. Probably even work for the clown because he told me to know my place. They knew. They knew they had to put shit out there to slander me because I was coming hard. I had locked up a lot of their clowns. Hmm. And so, obviously, people can't use me. And that's fine. But my facts are facts. You know, I can... Um, get in through your washing machine, through your refrigerator, whatever's connected to Wi-Fi, I can access. So when people are sitting there telling us, 
that, you know, this isn't happening. It's bullshit. Here it is. I can get in through a printer and do whatever I want on Georgia.gov. So what the heck? Why are they lying? I mean, Krebs lied. He said the systems weren't connected to the computer. Then if the systems weren't connected to the computer, how the fuck were they in there? That's the thing. Nobody pays attention to the facts. It's all about putting it under the rug. So this that you see on your screen that I dropped to give guidance to the people to understand how this works is it. TSMC, Taiwanese company making chipsets, they used to make stuff for Huawei. Solar winds, again, China, China, China. Because Taiwan is to China as China is to the U.S. Taiwan is to China as China is to the U.S. John Brennan had supposedly, well, he was within the ranks of the agency before he did his private stuff, which was spearhead, right? Spearhead. In China. China, China, China. Freaking Gina Haspel knows. She was APAC before she went to London. They all know. So the question that you should have is, damn, all these people know this. They know the elections have been stolen. Forget the videos. Like I said, nobody cares. Nobody cares. You can have Pelosi standing there feeding ballots. Still nobody's, nobody cares. Still nobody cares. She, you could have her on video. You could be in person. You could be you know, touching her to make sure she's real. And they will still tell you there was no fraud. But you can't mess with facts. And facts are right here. Facts are right there. They have been doing this for two decades. I have been talking about it for a very long time. And this is it. They violated your voice. They took away your ability to choose your leader because they believe that you are too stupid to pick it because they know best. So as these hit pieces come, the one thing that needs to be understood is it's very dangerous that the rag that killed their own guy came after me. Protection? I got, I got God on that. I'm good. I'll be safe. But this is what people need to understand. This is a big war and has been brewing for a very, very long time. And while people like, you know, Patrick Byrne, who was privileged to be in a room and have these conversations, right? He is expressing to you something that I've been saying too. Take a moment this Christmas and understand this. That man who is in the White House right now, that man that represents us, right? Every day he wakes up, he has to think twice before he takes a sip of water. The people that's around him despise him because he is like a sledgehammer 
to everything they've built. And because what they built was on falsities, it can come, come crashing down with the hammer of truth. And this is it. This is the hammer of truth that is coming down on all of them. They have no idea what to do. They can't stop what's coming. They cannot. And there are so many people that are bottlenecked in these groups, from white hat hackers to average Joes to QAnons to Sidney Powell to General Flynn to Patrick Byrne to the unity is lacking, right? And that's purposeful. Because in that way, everyone is striving even harder. These are unprecedented times. You cannot imagine how insane they are. This is the scariest time for those that seek stability to exist. I mean, it would be interesting, right? If, for example, maybe there were stimulus packages that were used in other states, maybe like Michigan, where they actually invested in property rather than the fake businesses, they said, to create maybe like another White House somewhere else. That's something people should think about. We know that all of these things that they put in the bill, right, are money laundering. I mean, why else would we be paying all this money? Think, think. They've planned this out. Pelosi told you about it, right? She told you their plan. So they already know. They're already inaugurating him. And location doesn't matter if the occupant doesn't want to leave the White House. She said in her own insane words that she can't wait to pull him out by his hair. I think I saw that at the Gateway Pundit, right? This is the type of people that we are up against. People that don't care anymore. Now, Nancy Pelosi, oh wow, she just tweeted that the bipartisan COVID relief and omnibus bill has been enrolled. The House and Senate are now sending this important legislation for the people to the White House for the president's signature. We urge him to sign this bill into law and give immediate relief to families. Wait a minute. Didn't President Trump declare Christmas Eve a federal holiday? You are not supposed to be working. So that's interesting. She's working on a federal holiday. That should tell you everything you need to know. Just how desperate they are. Because the government shutdown is here now. <laughs> so um, that's going to be interesting. And we all know he's already in Mar-a-Lago. But this Christmas, you guys, I want you guys to think of him. And think of just how much he's been under attack. Now, for me, my personal experience of attacks is pretty much nothing compared to what he's going through and what his family is going through. But it's nonetheless a struggle, right? It's nonetheless a struggle. So one half has to think, wow, so... Here he is, he put himself on the line, has been defamed, slandered, 
attacked, prosecuted, and he's still standing up for us. He said he would never, ever let us down. Can you see that now? It's Christmas Eve, guys. Tomorrow's Christmas. It'll be very interesting to see what comes of this. Now, we're seeing the Washington Times, wow, putting out that, oh, Al-Shabaab. Oh, wait a minute. Are they moving in on Ilhan Omar? Let me check this out. Hold on a second. In coordination with U.S. officials, two airstrikes December 10th at an Al-Shabaab compound in the vicinity of Jilib. Oh, my gosh. I talked about that. Hold on. Airstrike, Shabaab fighters. Oh, wow. Are they going after Ilhan Omar? Oh, wow. Wow. That just gave me some confidence right there. That's interesting. <clears throat> Might have been in my... <laughs> that's really... Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Um, because I told you guys her, um, her name, Abdullahi. Abdullahi was actually part of uh, the Al-Shabaab terrorist group. That's why I would always call her Al-Shababi, um, which is... Uh, Wow. Oh my gosh. Which is exactly in that province in Jalib, Somalia. Oh, wow. Fingers crossed. So, um, before we go, you know, obviously this was onerous to some people that saw, um, you know, this video on Twitch live, the audio wasn't great because it was the phone on speaker and I had the microphone on the table. Um, it was live, unedited, you know, no cutouts or anything. I wanted you guys to see it because it's going to come out. And at that point, you know, during Christmas, I'm supposed to be on defense. And a lot of people tell me you don't have to defend yourself. Well, no, I need to dispel things so that people don't take that. Again, I'm not the target Sidney Powell is. We understood that. We understand it. And I've been talking about everything for a couple years. So, you know, today is Christmas Eve. And it's supposed to be the eve of the day that God decided to send his own son to us. And I wanted on that note to reiterate a, an amazing writing that... It's one of my favorite things I had ever seen. Um, it's, um, it's, it's actually quite fascinating. I'm trying to pull it up for you guys. It's, it's so incredible. Um, let me see if I have it open. Um, Give me a second. I'll find it. Okay. So this was written by um, Dr. James Allen Francis. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30 when public opinion turned against him. He never wrote a book. He never held office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. 
He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of these things, usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials himself. He was only 33. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross. Between two thieves while dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing. The only property he had on earth when he was dead. He was laid in a burrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone. And today Jesus is a central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. That was the name of the entry by Dr. James Allen Francis. That tells you everything you need to know. That is what Christmas is about. Change. Love. Unity. And those are the sacrifices that every good, loving American can ever aspire to be to, to be good, to stand for what's right. Now, our president has been doing that. I mean, he's not Jesus. He's not God's son, but he's God's child, just like you are. And so his sacrifice should be seen as such. It's a sacrifice. And many of you today, simply just tweeting or talking with friends and family, they, you're sacrificing too because you know that they will come after you. So his birth every year that's celebrated should be celebrated as such that all of us should aspire to be selfless, humble, and standing up for unity. As President Trump says, we are one nation under God. And every time he utters those words, they hate him. They loathe him. They want God removed from the equation. Because communism and control of people cannot be effectively implemented if there is God involved. So love your neighbors, your fellow citizens. Stand by true values, which are supposed to be put forward by all. And enjoy the holidays, because the president made it clear it'll be a very, very 
very good next year. So on that, I wanted to share with you a video of these um, carpenters that um, sing Mary Do You Know. Um, Sai sent it to me and I found it so awesome. I thought it would be a great way um, to end today's show because I was going to be onerous and rehashing the call because that's what's important. Again, it, we need to focus. There are many things going on like that Al-Shabaab thing, but we need to focus on what is now, not tomorrow. And uh, I wanted to say, for all of you out there disappointed, disappointed that um, Vice President Pence didn't pull the Pence card, because I know a lot of people were very interested in that. I just have to say I'm sorry. I didn't want to address it because I didn't want to kill your hopes. And you never know, God works in mysterious ways, and I didn't want to be pessimistic toward it. I didn't want to, you know, I kill hopes uh, for it because uh, silently I was kind of hoping to, but I already know because it was Pence that mucked up everything for me too. I've said that before. But it's always great to have hope, and that in, is inspired by faith. But hope that is not realized, faith seems to fail. And this whole demoralization that we are undergoing as a, as a nation, right, uh, is for that purpose, that you sit back and not fight. They want you to not fight because you feel that you're overwhelmed. They want you to sit down and lay down your arms and do not mistaken the fact that I am telling you that we've already won because we still have already won, because it needs each and every one of you to participate in that winning. Each and every one of you need to work hard to achieve that goal so that we win, okay? We all have to work towards that. So on that note, I will see you on Christmas. I'll do a Christmas show. Um, and uh, we'll talk Christmas stuff and... Maybe we'll do some global news and take a break, but there's so much to talk about. So just remember that good, God always sides with good, so good cannot fail. And make sure you're calling your senators and your representatives. Spank them. Oh, wait, before I do this, hold on. I need to show you this. So uh, I almost forgot too. Hold on. Let me get it. Um, give me a sec. Put a video together of President Trump's, um, President Trump's remarks to us. And I wanted to play it for you because it had some background effects. Hold on. Let me do this for you. Sorry. I wanted to show it to you. Let me take this little guy out, the snow globe. Okay. I wanted you to see this. I mean, we've seen the actual video, but this is an edited. Congress started to throughout the summer. Democrats cruelly blocked COVID relief legislation in an effort to advance their extreme left wing agenda and influence the election. Then a few months ago, Congress started negotiations on a new package to get urgently needed help to the American people. It's taken forever. However, the bill they are now planning to send back to my desk is much different than anticipated. 
It really is a disgrace. For example, among the more than 5,000 pages in this bill, which nobody in Congress has read because of its length and complexity. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. It's called the COVID relief bill, but it has almost nothing to do with COVID. This bill contains $85.5 million for assistance to Cambodia, $134 million to Burma, $1.3 billion for Egypt and the Egyptian military, which will go out and buy almost exclusively Russian military equipment, $25 million for democracy and gender programs in Pakistan, $505 million to Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. Congress found plenty of money for foreign countries, lobbyists, and special interests while sending the bare minimum to the American people who need it. It wasn't their fault. It was China's fault, not their fault. I'm asking Congress to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. I'm also asking Congress to immediately get rid of the wasteful and unnecessary items from this legislation and to send me a suitable bill or else the next administration will have to deliver a COVID relief package. And maybe that administration will be me and we will get it done. Thank you very much. I hope you like that. That was, um, that was done by a team member of Tory says, um, without revealing identity. I wanted to share that with you because, um, I think that it's pretty incredible when you see it as well. So, um, on that note, guys, God bless, have a fabulous Christmas Eve dinner or, um, you know, soiree that you uh, will have. And um, I will see you guys tomorrow, definitely. So let's uh, listen to our singing contractors. God bless. You want to start it off? No, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to look at you, you're going to look at me because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Here we go. Mary, did you know that your baby boy? Will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight?